second here. Um, oh, my bad. That's fine. We'll cut it out. We'll cut it out. Oh, wait, hold on. Yeah, cut this out. Hold on a second here. Let me figure this out. Got yeah, do, it. Do your thing. You good? No, you're good. You're good. Just want to get, because I'm only getting, how many people are supposed to be on screen? Five of us? Four. 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 Okay, we're good. All right. We are good. <laughs> Unless you got somebody else. Is, is somebody else popping in? A mystery guest? You can bring in uh, Julio Iglesias. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. yeah. I like that one. Well, if we're all here, we might as well start from the top. This That's only the, if. I think. Here. I think. Here. I'm waiting for Julio, but I think we're good. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, we'll start from the top. This is the Five on Five podcast presented to you by DirectMusicService.com and Nukes Hot Sauce. Go ahead and bang our promo code Five on Five F I V E O N F I V E for both of those. Go save some money over at Nukes. Get you some spicy, spicy, spicy stuff in your life. And then go over to directmusicservice.com and get you some spicy DJ edits, remixes, originals, everything you can think of. Uh, go load those crates up. We're tired of hearing the same Hold old up, songs. hold up, hold up, though, because we what? are tired of hearing that. <laughs> if you see our beautiful faces on YouTube, go ahead and hit the like, subscribe, and notification to be notified every time we drop a video. Uh, once a week, usually Mondays, sometimes yeah. Tuesdays, sometimes Wednesdays. But guess what? We're always there. So go ahead and hit the like, hit the subscribe. Always on, subscribe. never on schedule, but always on time. That's it. That's it. Well, now that all the promos are out of the way, let's announce inter- announce uh, who the hell is on the show today. Here, uh, I am one of your co-hosts, Phenom, coming to you live from sunny, tropical Portland, Oregon, down the street from me, in equally sunny and equally tropical. It is Jupiter Williams, down in the belly of the beast, where it's always hot and always spicy. It's Nick Lopez. And our special guest today really needs no introduction, but I'm going to give you one anyways. One half of Captains of Industry, the legendary, one of the best DJs I've ever seen. Ladies and gentlemen, Graham Funky. Boom, 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 boom. Far too many inaccurate adjectives, but okay. <laughs> it's all of it. It's all of it. Sir, how are you doing? Thank you for joining us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah. We're happy to have you. Uh, what's been going on in your world? uh you know i don't know it's uh things uh everything's like a blur you know from covid so as much as as busy as i am djing it's just kind of like well where did uh we've been djing like almost an entire year since stuff opened back up so um what's been going on is like just dj stuff which is weird but that seems so surreal but yeah uh i see you i see you over at uh this spot bungalow how's that going yeah, that was a place that I was working at before COVID. We were doing a disco night, like an industry night on Mondays. But um, coming out of COVID last April, uh, they brought me back in to, you know, just do more of the uh, the main shifts. And um, it's owned by Brent Bullhouse and Jen Rosero, who like those legendary nightlife uh, impresarios uh, for Los Angeles. I mean, they just threw... Um, Neon Carnival's their event, which happened yesterday. I don't know when this airs, but yes, or not yesterday, but um, uh, Saturday, Coachella weekend, right? Saturday, okay, mm. Coachella Saturday. Yeah. There they we go. They that, but Bungalow is one of their spots, and they have more than one bungalow. They got Santa Monica, which is you know Los Angeles, and they got Long Beach, and they got Huntington Beach, and they got uh, up in the Bay Area as well, which opened uh, late last year. So been working a lot for them, and then slowly getting back into the normal circuit that. I had uh, enjoyed prior to 
COVID hitting. So slowly working my way back into those spots that I was doing. But um, yeah, the uh, the mother load of work has been working for Jen and Brent at the uh, various bungalows. Great. Oh yeah. Now is Beauty in Essex <clears throat> one of those still? No, you know, um, I'm not, uh, I didn't go back to work there. I've worked at Highlight Room a few times, mm-hmm. which is in the same property mm-hmm. um, since uh, stuff reopened. But um, I'm not sure what the status of Beauty in Essex is, uh, to tell you the truth. Um, but yeah, I was working there quite a bit before the pandemic. But mm-hmm. yeah, coming out of pandemic, Highlight Room has been the spot where I've been working. Gotcha. Mm. Well, we're definitely happy to see you back to work. Uh, as I mentioned, you're one of my favorite DJs. I think these guys can yeah, oh easily, yeah. absolutely, easily well, agree with that statement. Um, we're happy to have you on today. What we do every week, we compare two artists head to head. We go through their top five songs as viewed most popular on Spotify. We go five rounds. You pick a this or a that. It gets weird. It gets gross. And the maestro of weird and gross for today's pick is Nick Lopez. Yes. So today I was kind of like in a frantic, who the fuck do I pick <laughs> for Graham? Like, <laughs> but I'm like, he's kind of, he's obvious, he's ahead. Like, yeah. I yeah. can literally pick anything. Yeah. Well, well, you know, we'll see. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I kept it light. It didn't get, I didn't get crazy. I, I kept uh, it light. They, when Ghost Bar opened up in Dallas some years ago um, at the W down there, I'd gone down. I was one of the residents. I think I did the opening weekend as well. I used to go down there. I think it was once a week for the first stretch. And um, so the local paper did an interview with me. And the, the guy asked me what album, what one album I would take to an island. And my answer was Damien Rice. Oh, and he couldn't wrap his head around this. Um, <laughs> so far removed from what you know, a DJ might answer, but that's legit what I would probably take with me, you know? Um, that's a, that's a, I'm glad that you actually brought that up because that's usually yeah. like towards the end of the show, what we end up asking yeah. is um, the stranded uh, desert island question. Well, yeah, and, uh, point, I don't even know what, what the, the answer might change today. I'm just saying right. uh, when, you, uh, when, you, <laughs> when you're trying to scramble for what to ask me, we might be way off base, who knows? Yeah, we right, right. Failure. This might be boring. <laughs> so, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, so, okay, I'll just put it out there. It changed a few times, but I went with some 80s R&B, some okay, 80s pop R&B. So, okay. Trav, you're going to love this. Okay. This is DeBarge yes. versus the Jacksons. Oh, come on. Sony. Yeah, so man. The Jackson See, 5. Mm. Okay. The Bards wanted to be the Jacksons. So yes. Bad, so bad. This was even and also, marrying to the Jacksons uh, too. Yeah, they married oh, in. They were God. discovered by yeah, uh, by um Jermaine. Right? By Jermaine. Mm-hmm. So yeah. oh. I figured the familial ties made it fun. Yeah, let's real go. World. It, do you want to know what the original pick was? Was that yeah? It was Ready for the World versus the Bards. Ooh, oh, that's good too. But that's Ready for too. the World just didn't have a solid top five that I was like they would have got smoked gotcha. they had like you three know, I, really I feel like we might have to like check this but i feel like there was this a uh i'm ready for the world song that we uncovered you know me and my man uh uh Renato laranja if you're familiar with this uh with this uh mma uh personality renato laranja i'm not oh, yeah 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 <laughs> yeah that's that's uh that's my homie and uh we i think 
I, I'm Googling it right now to make sure I'm talking uh, not out of pocket here. But the song that we used to really love was, I don't want to say it before I'm correct. I'm thinking of one. I'm wondering yeah. if it's the same one. Digital Display. Digital Display. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Mm. yeah. That's yeah. my jam. I love and there was something wrong. That's a, that's a Daft Punk song. And I'm like, I had something off. It was Digital Display. Yeah. Mm. I'm, yo, gotta love Ready for the World. Got it. Yeah, that's yeah. why I picked Digital Display is my favorite Ready for the World song above Oshila. What did that make the cut on Spotify? It would have been on the I would have been on the top five. Oof. But like they had a I think they had a repeat. And okay. so you had to go to number six. And it just like became to like a ballad. A Dang. And so and same for uh DeBarge. I had to do that for them too. Okay. I right. think we talked about this before, but a lot of people think Oshila is a Prince song, right? Like that's common yeah, we have, misconception. We have spoke about that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. really. Yeah, I've not heard it before, but I mean, I could see it. I suppose. I guess yeah, Sheila I, e, I never right? thought that. Oh, I guess maybe because of yeah. Sheila E. But yeah. I think like listening to it, like the intro, could be like a confused for like maybe a time type of song or something. Right, like. right, right. I don't know. Definitely right, like, a Minnesota feel. Yeah, like that Minnesota, yeah, yeah, yeah. like New Jack swing, like Minnesota in the '80s. What was that Minnesota? It's pre New Jack, because yeah, I know. So what, what, what would that be called? That old Minnesota Jack. sound. That's yeah. Old Jack. Old Jack. Old Jack swing. <laughs> old Jack swing. <laughs> yeah. uh, we only play Old Jack swing. <laughs> old all right, Jack swing. All right. Round one: Debarge versus the Jacksons. We have Rhythm of the Night versus Blame It on the Boogie. Ooh. Graham, you get to go first. Now, explain to me what I'm supposed to weigh in on this precisely. You got to pick which song you like better. And then at that the I end, like better we... to listen to or that I would use for work. Um, well, that's that's going to be your reasoning for choosing. So if you choose to pick one song because it's for work or you choose to pick another song because you just like it more, that's that's completely up to you. Yeah. You just have to pick one. Man, that's tough because um, I would use them in different circumstances mm-hmm. um, depending on the crowd. But um, I do believe that the captains put uh, Blame It on the Boogie on one of their mixtapes. So let's just slide with that uh, to be safe. All right. All right. Call. Man, I got to go to bars. This just absolutely lights the room up every single night. And you can kind of play it for a little bit of everyone. And even if it's like a bunch of younger kids, they're probably going to move to it. So I'm going to go to bars. And Trav, I would, I agree with Colin on on the song, but I'm going with Jackson's man, Jackson, mm-hmm. Can't, mm-hmm. and you can't slip on that video too. Oh my God, it was so innovative. It had the shoes moving with no legs in them. This oh. is my favorite Jackson's video because I love watching Tito dance. Oh yes, <laughs> my man looks terrible. Yeah. and all and all they were doing was walking back and forth. I don't recall the, the video, but then if if they're doing shots of just Boots. They either crib that from Rock With You video or Rock With You crib that from Blame on the Boogie video because there's also uh, you know close ups of um, moving of boots, yeah. boots and Rock With You. Uh, yeah, I, I believe like Blame the, on the Boogie the trail. came out before. I'll Rock have to do a number crunch. Yeah, I'm not really sure which one came out first. Get that right. YouTube will come for us. Get that oh, one. Yeah. Right. Who, who is it? 1980. 1980, yeah. oh, shout don't out. shout him out. No shout <laughs> no, outs. I'm shouting him out. He, he's the best. <laughs> no shout out. Right. Yeah, that's our that's our roughest one. <laughs> uh, round two. Uh, I like it versus Can You Feel It? Ooh. Oh. Yeah, this is already tough. Yeah. yeah. 
Who wants to take it? I don't. I don't. <laughs> uh, I'll take it. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna slide with Debarge again. Smooth, smooth, smooth. That's a that's a cruiser, man. That that's a hot knife through butter, baby. And I'm going to bars. Mm. That that's a that's a tough one. I mean, for me, obviously the Debar song is is dope, but um, I feel like the video for "Can You Feel It"? Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Was, was very 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 impactful upon me as a child. Yes sprinkling the dust across the city and yeah <laughs> yeah and then the rays come in between the hand the arms I, come on but there's like a video version of the song which like breaks down into just instrumentation which is like amazing yeah um, also i find myself playing that song a lot more than uh the debarge jam so uh i definitely got to go with the jacksons again yeah yes i feel that trav you going jacksons i am I play both of these songs equally the same. Yeah. You know, uh one song at the beginning of the night, one song toward toward the middle part of the night. I mean, can you feel it? It's such a hype song too. It's uh, huge. Huge. It's a big it's a stadium. That's like the, song. the Olympics. The intro to the right. Olympics should be can you feel it? Like you every got, you got to think you got to think that they kind of put, you know, I'm just thinking of the mindset in the uh, the time when they put this out. This was um right when they were going to be done touring so you're talking about you know the victory tour and big stadiums big stadiums like baseball stadiums this is huge stadiums. this is like pepsi right. era yeah yeah so this this song was like a big stadium song to me like the kanye living in atlanta mercedes-benz stadium you know right right um so yeah can you feel it i gotta go can you feel it okay you talked yourself into that one you hyped uh, your, no, I didn't yourself have to. into it. No, I didn't okay. have to talk myself okay. into it. I had, you almost I talked me into it because can oh, you feel real? it? Okay, so that's what it was. We need we need to start we need to start filming videos with can you feel it? Like when we're just doing basic ass tasks, like yes. taking out the garbage, be like, Can you feel it? And, you know, you just like you you did your laundry for the day. Can you feel it? Like we did it. We did it. You know, that's me doing it. my taxes today. Oh yeah, hey. yeah. IRS told you, can you feel uh, it? Yeah. <laughs> you feel it. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna feel it. Yeah. yeah. Round three. Um DeBarge with who's holding Donna now versus mm-hmm. Shake Your Body. Oh, shake your body for me. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Shake Round your four. body. Round four. Yeah, this that wasn't even <laughs> <laughs> strong, strong garbage round. Uh, okay. shake, your, shake your body, I believe, had uh I believe the demo had Janet on per- percussions. I believe Janet was on percussions in the demo on this one. Are you th- you're thinking of Or am I thinking of um Working Day Don't and Stop Night. Till You Get Enough? You're thinking the Working Day and Night demo. Um because it had the whole family like playing on like bottles and shit like that. Yeah. And then you could hear Janet Oh, you could hear Michael Janet and, Randy. and Jermaine like arguing in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Turn yeah, my yeah, headphones yeah. down. They're like yeah that's what it is i i hear you because yeah janet was in that one um round four which i kind of want to have a quick discussion about is all this love versus this place hotel that's a solid pick this is a solid pick but i gotta go this place hotel why is it called this place hotel that's a good question i don't know versus heartbreak hotel because that's what the song says right it's a this is heartbreak hotel, but this is this place hotel. Is it 
Is there another song called Heartbreak Hotel? There's other the songs called Heartbreak Hotel, oh, yeah. but but the Elvis song Heartbreak Hotel. Yeah. Uh, not just that, but uh, if you've visited Graceland, as I have many times, the actual uh, official Elvis Presley Enterprises hotel that they built adjacent to Graceland called the Heartbreak Hotel is literally at the end of Lonely Street, just like in the song oh. at the Heartbreak Hotel. So I don't, uh, it's a great question. Do we check the lyric to make sure that that is this place hotel? Um, could you could you imagine if it actually was this place? This is this place. <laughs> <laughs> it really rolls off the tongue. And you get the Jackson Presley connection, obviously through marriage, right? Yes. Um. So be some some crossover there, though. You know, uh, who knows? I mean. This is the weird thing about having these conversations. We need like a, a fact checker off to the side. That I just number checked. Yeah. You just do the number crunch? <laughs> I did. I did. So uh, this song was taught was this song's title change uh, to this place hotel to avoid confusion of Elvis Presley's hit. Okay. So it was that song. That's all I was like. Mm-hmm. There's, I know there's another song, but I didn't know if that was like. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. You learn something new every day. I think that's uh, just one of those things I've always wondered and never take the time to Google. It's a, the, the information is at your fingertips. Literally. <laughs> yeah, we are. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> picks all this love versus this place hotel. This place hotel. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. This place hotel. Yeah. I'm going with that. Start okay. starts off as a slow jam, gets into a funk, dance song, and then it goes kind of right back down to a slow jam. I know you guys are going to ask, did Elvis, did Elvis Presley and Michael Jackson ever meet? Does anyone have the answer? Oh, I don't know, because I did just read that apparently Michael was unaware of Heartbreak Hotel, the song. So they did meet. They, Mind they, they had uh, to have met while they, were, while they were the Jackson Five, yes? So yeah, they had to have, right, yeah. You would think so, but yeah. the first time they met was when Michael met Lisa Marie. Oh, That's the same time he met Elvis. Oh, but so when was this though? Because were I mean, they Elvis like teenagers? Seventies. Uh, I that I don't know. Uh, Elvis died. Nineteen. Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, so Graham uh, was Jackson Five in Vegas, nineteen seventy-four. Uh, it makes sense at the uh, at the Hilton at the International Hotel, perhaps. Yeah, probably. Yep. Three yep. years before his death. Yeah. So that's that's a small window of when that could have happened. That, um, yeah. I can't imagine what that would sound like, those two together on a track, but oh well. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Elvis at the time. Elvis, like, this is tail end 70s. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is Elvis, down. capital E, Elvis, like over the <laughs> shit. Like, the sideburns. Yeah, the like this is the checked can. out. This is banana, peanut this butter sandwiches. Like, this yeah, this is yeah, this is, this, yeah, the kicks. Yeah. That Elvis, the Elvis yeah. we all love. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Round, last and final round, time will reveal versus <sighs> torture. Oh, God. <sighs> oh. Time really now, why do we choose reveal. torture just out of just out of curiosity? Well, From it's that, it's it's just the um the algorithm of Spotify. Oh yeah, 
So that one outranks like State of Shock, which was like I think the first single. Yeah. Um, right. Right. Now, with Mick Jagger on it. Yeah. You know, Mm-hmm. Um, that's real interesting. Um, so what happens big- here oh, is that torture is actually number six, but blaming on the boogie's seven-inch version is number five. So I just went. <laughs> so blaming on the Algorithms. boogie is actually on here twice. That's so bizarre to me. These Spotify is the weirdest. Has the weirdest top fives. Yeah, it just goes to show that um, I don't have anything in common with anybody. Yeah, like, I feel that. We- you know or what what appeals to me right um but um that torture video used to bug me out as a kid because if you remember it's got some elastic rim or whatever and people are coming through yeah and um it was on the tail end of like there was a bunch of videos if you remember this video um jeopardy by the greg ginn band Mm, um mm -mm. our love's in jeopardy and he's getting married and he pulls he, uh, in the church he pulls a part of a pew out and it's a guitar but he's fighting uh there's like it's like a uh, horror video right 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 in, in like, like horror videos at yeah the time. and almost and, like stop motion yes yeah, weird stuff, stuff. yeah well, the the torture video always bugged me out um though it's not my favorite song so i mean i'm, I'm hard right. pressed choose uh one was very impactful visually to me um and I haven't voted for any DeBarge songs. So let's just go with DeBarge. <laughs> hey. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go DeBarge too. Uh, by the way, that State of Shock album or that State of Shock single is one record you can find in any record store. Oh, if yeah. You're, it's if weird. you're not looking for it. Yeah. Like, well, like, that and what? Um, what do we always see too? The Jacksons. Which one um, was that? Dynasty? Oh, Dynasty. I see. Yeah. The Dynasty yeah. album that we see all the time. I, I only I'm, see it when I'm not looking for it too. Yeah. Like if I got a homie that wants it, and I'm like, "Yeah, I got you," and then I right. never find it. The minute I'm, I stop thinking about, it, I see it every day. I'm not day. sure what they what they expected the critical acclaim to be of the Jacksons and Mick, Mick Jagger, but that's not the song I would have expected to come out and be like, "Everyone needs this," because no one plays that. No one gives a shit about that song. So if you listen to it, and I've listened to it many times because we we reference it and have a laugh. The end of it's super creepy with Mick Jagger. Like, uh, uh, he's like, look what you've done to me. Look what you've done to me. And he yeah. ends like, ah, like a, like a gasp or, or a moan. Like a <laughs> like super creepy song. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I, I, I dig it, honestly. You know what I mean? Yeah. That whole, Torture uh, is not my jam. Yeah, yeah, the state of shock I uh, preferred, but Mick Jagger was doing some weirdo stuff in that time period with doing the, the Bowie duet, but also uh-huh. the solo record, She's the Boss, with uh, Just Another Night. That's another bugged out video with uh, Radon Chong in it. He's he's dressed so funky, and um, he was just like in a weird vibe at, in that first half of the, the 80s. Um, so that state of shock record does not confuse me. Yeah. Hmm. for yourself, anyway. <laughs> Graham, ha- Graham, have you met Mick Jagger? Um, I've not met him, but uh, some uh, on two occasions he's been in the spot while I've been DJing. And um, the most annoying thing about that, if we can have a sidebar here, absolutely. If I could pivot, um, mm-hmm. uh, one night he was in the spot, and uh, this was at Forty Deuce, which is no longer this is in LA and a smaller, very exclusive venue. And um, 
Mick Jagger comes in and he's sitting down and, you know, um, he's right up against the bar and people just kept coming over like Mick Jagger's here, play some Rolling Stones. And I'm thinking like, everybody's already staring at this guy. Now I'm going to play a song that everybody's really going to stare at the guy to see what his reaction to hearing a Rolling Stones song is. No way. Not no shot. Um, so that's, you know, uh, never met him. But yeah, on two occasions, he's been in the spot while I've been DJing. Both of them really, really, really hard to get into smaller spots. So sick. So sick. That's yeah. He's going to live for a billion years on, on the trajectory. Him and Keith are on They're way younger than us. Anyone in this, in this podcast right now. So that's fucking dope. Uh, a lot of people expect those celebrities to want to hear their own shit. And that's mostly not the case. I, uh, uh, I used to do this place called Teddy's. And again, this is, you know, some years ago and Prince used to come in frequently and when he would come in like he, he had a bodyguard or a guy that would come with him and he would come over first and say hey prince is here or he'd say the man is here sometimes he wouldn't even say prince the man is here and that meant <laughs> don't play any prince songs at all right and they would warn you like if you play a prince song he's gonna dip so you would never uh yeah you would avoid prince and prince adjacent stuff but um, the funny thing is, and I always use this when I talk about uh, requests, on occasion, Prince would actually come over and talk to me, and he would make a suggestion. He would say, do you know what might sound good with this? Not, can I hear this, or you should play this. Do you know what might sound good with this? And he'd make a suggestion, and usually he was spot on. Usually. He was always spot on. <laughs> so when I talk about requests, and these, some of these kids who come up and are so demanding and so entitled, making requests, I'm thinking like, Prince didn't make requests. Prince, the man, the man, request, you know. So who are you? Right, straight up. Right. Can you remember any of those suggestions? They were always uh, funk songs, um, and James Brown or Funkadelic, um, usually. Um, mm. But that's his tip. You know what I'm saying? What What were you playing? Um, during the time when he would come up and I request wish I could remember the exact year this would be. Um, this is, I mean, we could Google it and maybe there would be a mention of when Teddy's open. This is at the Roosevelt Hotel. Teddy's might still be there for all I know, but this is when it first opened. Um, it, so if we went back and looked at that time period, it would be a mix of like probably some stuff I'd play in a, um, in like a normal, you know, bottle club mixed in with like some better curated stuff, you know, like a mix of that. Um, not fully, you know, commercial, but, you know, kind of peppered in. So I couldn't tell you exactly. We, would, I wish, you know what? I used to save my Serato playlists just to like, not because I wanted to go back and like relive the glory days, but on a few occasions when there's been an issue about something I've played for a corporate thing, I have it and I go, nah, that didn't happen. No, I didn't play a dirty version. No, that song didn't get played. So I used to like archive this and I lost that file. So I can't even go back. Cause you know, you can export the, the histories, right? Right. So right. The time I was archiving that just for like, you know, my own, uh, my own records, but those are gone. So there's no way. That's oh. actually a genius idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I want to, I want to slide on top of that before we round out this battle. Um, Graham, tell us, Anyone that came up besides Prince that you never would have expected to come up to the DJ booth and ask you for anything? 
and ask me for anything, my God, this would be tough for me to like, I mean, there's been some, some random ones like MC hammer. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, to find like the, a great one that came up to the booth, that would be, I'd be hard pressed, like come up with one right this very second. Sure, sure. But um, uh, I do, I have found in my experience that, you know, guys like Mick Jagger or, uh, you know, I've done, I did a number of parties for like Sting in the day. These are people who don't want to hear their own music. They've heard it a million times, but in the hip hop culture, and I think that hip hop culture influenced the rock culture. You would have artists who were hip hop or, you know, not hip hop in the more modern era requesting their own songs in the club. Yeah. And I've had some who shall remain nameless request their own songs in third person as if they weren't requesting their own song. <laughs> oh, <laughs> boy. I just feel like, um, you know, I'll tell you a funny one, actually. Just this one popped up. Um, I was DJing at a place, uh, the original Hyde, which I, there's a, another Hyde now in Hollywood, but this is the original Hyde in the small, it's the small space. And um, Busta Rhymes comes in and he's got some record people with him. And um, this was right when Arab Money had come out. Which was, you know, that song worked in the club, but in this particular space at that hide, that wasn't really the programming that was happening there. So I see Busta come in and um, he gets, they bring him over to introduce him to me. And I go, oh, what's up? And um, one of the record guy goes, can you run through the Busta songs, which are obviously, you know, going to be the solo stuff. And I said, I'll get to that. And what I do is I drop, uh, Sound of the Zeekers off the Leaders of the New School album, which is like my favorite Leaders of the New School record. And as soon as it comes on, I see Buster Rhymes running towards the DJ, like charging. He's a big dude, charging the DJ booth. And I'm like, okay, this guy's going to mess me up. Like, obviously, like I tapped into something that he's like, I, I, I uh, you know, I woke a bad memory or he hates the song. I didn't know what was going on, but he's charging at me. And he comes over and goes, yo, how do you know this song? And I go, oh, this is my favorite song off the Lons record, you know? And he goes, I haven't heard this song in 20 years. I produced it. And I was like, oh, that's wild. So we chop it up for a sec while it's playing. And at the oh, end cool. of it, after I'm like, yo, this guy's actually real. He's a cool dude. And I can't believe he's appreciating this, this uh, you know, Sound of the Zeekers record. He goes, can I ask you for a favor? I go, oh, here we go. Now here comes the Arab money request. You know, he's going to, he goes, can you just start this song from the top? He wanted to hear Sound of the Zeekers again. I was like, no sweat. So, yo, that's, that's fucking dope, man. Yeah, those moments, those are only kind of LA or New York kind of moments. You can't really catch those too many other places. Unless you, you know, go to, to a market where, uh, you know, you got some some musicians that are from there that are in town or that stay there. Yeah. I mean, I'm Chicago, you can come across. Chicago's had a couple. Where I've met you, where I met you. Yeah, yeah, and we we definitely need to get into that too. Uh, let's wrap up this battle real quick, and then hop into lightning round, gentlemen. Uh, did we go Debarge or Jacksons? Who are we taking on that? <clears throat> Which one is this? That Tor was torture, and uh... time will reveal. Yeah, time will reveal. Oh my god, time will reveal is such a is such like a hood classic. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, God, this was playing at, you know, the backyard barbecues. Um, 
Yo, do you know Michael Jackson was not in the torture video? You know what's know. funny? You guys bring the torture video up, and I'm like, in my, I don't think I've seen it. Yeah. MJ was not in that torture video, and I believe they used a mannequin. They they used a mannequin at the end of it for, wow. for him. <laughs> yeah. What? Mannequin Jackson? Mannequin Jackson, man. Um, God, the, let's go to Barge. Jackson. Let's go to Barge, though. Yeah. Barge. Okay. Yeah, I'm with that. That's how I feel, too. Um, all right. Well, that was pretty one-sided. Uh, <laughs> I honestly am a little bit surprised. No, but you put, a little... you put the barge up against the Jacksons. I mean, at the end of the day, nobody can win at the end of the day. But, yeah, I mean, like if we're talking about like uh, global perception, there's no way that's no amongst DJs. Yeah, you can make. This is why we have this this debate. But you know, it's Jacksons versus the barge. Yeah, you know, and right. that's why I kind of like this way of doing it, just like song for song, because yeah. it's just like I like this one better. Yeah, I understand the Jacksons are fucking the Jacksons, but like. Yeah, you know this Debar's song is better than that. Like I just like yeah. it. Better than that. Yeah. So it's a little bit more fun, but because we're at the mercy of Spotify's algorithm, songs like Torture fall end up here. Right, <laughs> right, right. Well, I do want to take you into the lightning round, Graham. This is going to be just for you. I'm going to throw a bunch of artists your way, and you pick a this or a that. One of them stays. The other has to be deleted out of your Serato. And out of you can never hear them. You can never hear them again. Even yep. those records back there, you got to you yeah. toss them. Yeah. <laughs> they those just disappear. Will, you can yeah. keep the sleeve, but you got to toss them. <laughs> <laughs> the the <laughs> sleeve will just be a question mark. <laughs> yeah. uh, starting with this, Fleetwood Mac or Tom Petty? Uh, Fleetwood Mac all the way. Okay. Uh, Diddy or Jermaine Dupree? JD. Armand Van Helden or Fatboy okay, Slim? Okay, hold on. This is what I'm choosing, not throwing away, right? These are the ones yes. you're choosing. Okay, yes, JD. Yeah. Uh, Armand Van Helden or Fatboy Slim? Okay, see, this one's tough. I'm going to go with Armand Van Helden only because, like, uh, I feel like he's, like, an unsung hero. You know what I'm saying? The coolest. He's the coolest. I saw a yeah. picture of him the other day at Coachella. The coolest. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that's been the, the, was the talk that episode that he was just. He's the coolest. He's the coolest yeah. DJ. Yeah. He's, he's my favorite DJ. But effortlessly cool. You know, right, not yeah. like uh, some of these older DJs, like try to, on TikTok, try to be hip, whatever. Like, trying to hold nah, on. Nah. Me, me, I'm on TikTok now. That's a little, that's a little <laughs> promo for my TikTok. Oh, but if I did see you mention that and I'd be interested if I was going to get on TikTok, that would be the kind of content I'd be interested in looking at vinyl stuff, you know, see, yeah. I feel like there's not much of that. And, and it's kind of an untapped thing. We're not going to talk about TikTok on the show, but we all know that we could love to look at records all day, even if it's just on your phone without having to go to a record store. Uh, Nick and I do that for hours on end <laughs> for the day. Uh, Jay Dilla or Pete rock. Going to go with Pete rock. I've uh, eaten off him more than than uh, Dilla. Fair. Uh, the Who so or the I Stones? Do, the Slum Village record was one of my favorite records. The first uh, uh, volume one. Uh, I do love that record a lot, which I think um, if he produced most, if not all of that record, yeah? Yeah, all. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, one, yeah. I think two has a Q-tip on there. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, the Who or the Stones? 
Uh, I'm going to go with the Stones. Though okay. I've seen the Who in concert, but not the Stones in concert. Okay. Though, um, you know Because, like, I'm only, I'm really only interested in Stones uh, recorded music. Live doesn't uh, engage me that much. And I don't know why. I feel like they're, like, a, the world's most famous and successful garage band. You know what I mean? Right, right. No, Are you I'm into sorry. live albums at all? I uh, will watch live versions of songs on YouTube all night. Like when I'm, when I'm going to sleep, I have my headphones in, I've got my iPad and I'm like looking at various live versions of songs nonstop. My girl bugs out on it. She's like, how many times are you going to, how many different versions are you going to watch of this? But <laughs> do you buy live is. albums though? Like, is that something you're I don't buy live to? albums? I never bought those cause I would uh, probably not use them though. I mean, obviously I have Marvin Gaye live you know because it has yeah yeah gotta give it up on and that's a that, classic that record that's um, yeah and then i got like there's like watt stacks in here or uh you know a couple like concert records you know just to have but um typically i would not buy uh live records that's fair i nick you've started buying you wait you don't buy live albums no, no. i have like 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 you said, like Marvin Gaye Live, like there's certain ones, like in the first one that always pops on my head is the only one I've ever wanted. And you're going to laugh. It's Bob Seger's uh, Silver Bullet Band Live, Live Bullet. Fire. Only because of Bo Diddley. Fire. All right. No, that's fair. It's uh, like me- a B-Boy classic. Graham, I don't. I know you don't know. You don't remember me to me, but I met you back in. I God, I want to say... 2010 at Couture in Portland with uh, Mark Sid and uh, Jamal Brown and Amir sure, Panaport. Sure. Yeah, so sure. I met I met you back then. That was a fun little and spot, you know. It was uh, uh, to have a bottle club up there, and then uh, we were just actually talking about if you remember the Portland Armada. Do you remember this? That we oh did yeah, we, yeah. We were just talking to uh, to a clothing company about that. Um, because it's like no one's done it since. Right. Like, you just get coordinates and Red Bull built a floating dance floor in the middle of the river. Yeah. <laughs> and then told people to show up. And we did it twice. I think me and Stone did it the first time. And then the second time it was me, Stone, and five and four color Zach. I was there the second time. Yeah. See, that was a fun one. But um, there was some, you know what it was? You know what messed that up was... um. Mark got shut down that night. Like they they blocked off the street. Uh, he didn't have the permits or something. So it was a other than like the Armada part, it was a failure. And I think Mark, you know, hung it up soon after that anyway. Gotcha. Does, does. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, because then he came back with uh Division Heights at that time. The what? You remember Division Heights? Did did you play at Division oh, Heights? You know what? I did play. I did yeah. it this one. One time there, uh, the night before Thanksgiving, we did a that's, disco night. That's right. That's the only time I've been there. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. He, um, yeah, he closed that place down shortly after. Well, going into it, they were like, we've been having a lot of trouble. And literally that night, I'm watching from the balcony down the street, and there's like 50 people rumbling. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <shit>. so, yeah. <laughs> so everything they said was like coming to fruition. <laughs> Right but shit's been a little wild. Yeah, shit got a little it, wild. Shit got crazy over there. Yeah, but you know what? I've always uh, 
and something always pops off down there. I mean, I spent a lot of time up there because my uncle lives up there. Gotcha, and, gotcha. But I mean, I've been with Mark. Uh, I remember we went to go, uh, like right near Couture was like a uh, like a burrito truck. Right. Yo, Phenom was with us. Now that I think about it, and like some dude just got cracked with a a Coke bottle, and everybody oh. got shook. And I was just, and everybody like starts to take off. I'm like, yo. The burritos are coming. What do you like? That stuff doesn't get me shook. You know what I mean? But everybody yeah. else is like, yo, yeah. the food is. Do you remember this? Oh. When, well, uh, was it? This it was is after. Uh, by fortune. Because yeah, I remember like, you telling me the story, Colin. I was, uh, you were with us. It was me and Mark. And uh, we went to the food truck. We were ordering. And then some, some dudes got into it. And they grabbed like one of those Mexican Cokes out of ice and like, oh yeah and yeah. like you were you were like all right i'm out and mark's like i'm out i'm like the burritos are coming <laughs> i stay there amongst the mayhem and the food. but the burritos <laughs> like famous last words like when like bullets start spraying yeah. you know, like, hey can i get my burrito <laughs> I, I just did I didn't know the neighborhood well enough to worry about that stuff. Right, I've right. Many, uh, been in crossfire too many times as a uh, <laughs> as a youngster, uh, going where I shouldn't be hanging out to uh, to get shook off some dude getting clipped with a coke bottle. Exactly. That's, that's fair. That's a fair assessment. Ah, uh-huh. Nick, did you say something? No, no. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, Portland Armada. That's how we got on. Portland Armada. Yeah. Portland Armada. Yeah, we were talking about the Portland Armada. That was the uh, Rebel. Rebel built a dance floor in the middle of the river. It's all. Yeah, wow. Let's we'll go back back to yeah. the back to the program. Okay, back. cool. <laughs> um, we will. I'm probably not going to do too much editing of this conversation after. That. <laughs> That's fair fine. Enough. That's we're fair. just going to have to live with the opening of the door. Uh, we will pop in here. Uh. Red Hot Chili Peppers or MGMT? Well, okay. So I do like MGMT a lot. And uh, I seen them at a Coachella one time and I enjoyed their set. But in 1986, uh, as a very uh, uh, small person, uh, when I'd seen the movie Thrashing, featuring the Red Hot Chili Peppers at the Thrash Bash doing the song Black Eyed Blonde off the Freaky Styley record, not only did I become a fan, but uh, by Mother's Milk, the next record, I had taken the bus, not having a driver's license, to the Greek theater to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers in concert. Um, and uh, I had been a fan of theirs from that point to about uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, where that's where they really turned pop. And this yeah. is no fault of their own. It's happened in many bands I've loved. Um, but after that point, you know, the music didn't appeal to me that much, but I will take those first records, uh, Uplift Multiple Party Plan, Freaky Styly, Mother's Milk, Blood uh, mm. Sex Magic, great record. Not that they haven't had great songs since, it's just, you know, moved out of my uh, mm-hmm. cypher, you know what I mean? Yeah. Were those guys accessible at that time? I'm sure they were just like everywhere, yeah? You mean in Los Angeles? You might yeah. see them in Los Angeles? Uh, the only person I ever came across uh, in real life is Anthony Kiedis at a barbecue in Griffith Park for uh, a DJ named Mike Messix, mm. who was like an OG uh, LA DJ. And um, we had met him, uh, me and my uh, my rap scallion uh, homies, 
when we were young, running around town, going out to all night parties. Um, uh, he was uh, he invited us to his birthday his birthday barbecue, and so Anthony Kiedis was there, and I remember Ad Rock from the BC Boys was there. We felt very hip to be in in this Cypher's like fourteen year olds or whatever it was. <laughs> um, but uh, that's the only he's the only one I've come across in real life. Though, if I'm not mistaken, and I could totally be mistaken because a lot of it's a blur. When I done the Spike TV Guys Choice Awards and Kid Rock performed, I believe the drummer was Chad, which Sick. I stage with them. Uh, but again, uh, I there's so much bad information at this point coming in that it pushes <laughs> like the great stuff out the back. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Like the last two years, it's just a fucking blur. Yeah, <laughs> time uh, is a circle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's do Ashanti or Sierra. Man. Um, okay. Well, you know, I eat off Sierra more than Ashanti, though. On occasion, I will throw in an Ashanti tune, uh, you know, just to, to flip it up. You know, if you can uh, get an acapella out and drop those the foolish uh, piano. Yep. Gets yeah. a reaction. It's good. But one, two step is not going to, you know, that, that's going to be a, a heater no matter what. In, right. In, that's so we'll go with Sierra. Diana Ross or Donna Summer? I'm going to go with Donna Donna Summer. Uh, you know, I like the Georgie Moroda production, though. I mean, Diana Ross is equally as iconic, you know. Sure. But iconic in a different way, even. So these sure. are tough tough let's go with kendrick lamar or kenny loggins <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> battle of the kennys well okay you know what i would being a uh, huge fan of uh, the yacht rock genre though not a huge fan of kenny loggins per se as a solo artist we'll go with kenny loggins just for his um his uh influence and his uh his uh what's the word i want um his involvement in the yacht rock genre there you go okay oh not not a kenny fan i mean go this on, is a really really great song but um you know if we look at some of his songwriting and um you know kind of his influence uh it's in there but not the the soundtracks not unlike the that that yacht rock YouTube series, they kind of always diss Kenny Loggins when he moves into soundtrack realm. Right? I don't know if you guys have seen this. That is so so good. That. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god, that's one of my favorite things on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. they always kind of diss it. They always uh, they diss when you're trying to make soundtracks happen. Yeah. 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 That is fucking funny. He's part of the Holy Trinity. That it's uh, Michael McDonald, Kenny Loggins, and Christopher Cross. That's yeah. But he he did the worst version of what a fool believes, he despite did. the fact that it's his. That it's his song. Yeah, he did. Yeah. But well, I mean, he came back with the banger. This is it, though. That's a great jam. Crazy. Yeah. Um, in fact, Crazy. I believe episode one of the Yacht Rock series is about what a fool believes, and yeah. how uh, Michael McDonald, uh, who I met uh, right before the pandemic, actually in oh, wow. a bar, Barbara. Um, uh, how he was kind of like the doobies had brought him in and he wasn't delivering. And so he turns to Loggins to, to pen the song. 
I mean, I'm sure it's highly dramatized the way they present it, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to watch it after this because it's so good. Yeah, I need to watch that too. What is it called? I got to find It's Yacht Rock, the guy who hosts it's called Hollywood Steve. Okay. There's a lot, and they take Yacht Rock songs and they dramatize the making of the song with actors. And sometimes you see big actors in it even, like Jason Lee. Um, and uh, it, it's real campy, but it's a lot of fun. And I it's it. it's old, it's old, early yeah. YouTube. Oh, so the really? quality is just okay. like so bad. Years old, <laughs> almost 20 years old, probably. Yeah, it's but it's hysterical. Yeah, it's yeah. Good. yeah, that's, that's going to be mandatory. Holland, when Hall and Oates comes in. Oh, they're great. They're yeah, great. they call them. They call them. Uh, Paul Notes calls. Uh, uh, God, who does he say it to? He goes, "You California vagina sailors." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're yeah. wearing the makeup. Yeah. It's not. Yeah, that's gonna be a rewatch for sure. Um, uh, what? <laughs> no, no, no. That's 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 what we do around here. That's that's exactly what we do. Uh, Beastie Boys or Run DMC? I mean, uh, Paul's Boutique was such a uh, a huge mm. record for me. Also, check your head when that came out. I mean, mm. um, so I mean, I'm gonna have to. I was as as much as Run DMC is a pillar, a, mm-hmm. a, literally an amino acid of it. Uh, I'm gonna go with Beastie Boys. Okay. Like, okay. Steely Dan or Gangstar? Why did he do that one? (laughs) (laughs) We're just having fun around here. It's going to get weird. It's going to get gross. If you ask ask me for two, if you ask me for like the two bands that I would take to the desert on those, that's it's them. (laughs) Um, There's no way I can even make this. This is like literally the Sophie's choice. This one is not this one. There's no way to, uh, I can't. Here's what happens oh, in this, this game is if you get don't even pick. better. Okay. They both disappear. <laughs> <laughs> you have to choose. The whole oh, point man. is to want to bathe after this. I'm so it's, sorry. Yeah. On, honestly, this is like the easiest hard one, though. This is it's yeah, gonna get more a, difficult there's, from there's here. There's a on couple out. curveballs that are just <laughs> <laughs> Anybody listening to this podcast, like, what's going on over there? <laughs> if anybody's uh, a regular listener, they know that you're in the middle of an anxiety attack. Yeah, yeah. Graham is weeping Graham, and Graham wiping his a, eyes with his he's, records. He's having an existential existential crisis. Yes, we're just gonna wipe them both out. We're gonna go nuclear option on this. Ooh. I like. He, he just. We're not gonna learn about either of these. Yeah. <laughs> you can't be happy. I can't be happy. Yeah. <laughs> Alright. Well, that's at least one little bin of records there you can burn in the fire. Let's go on to Aerosmith or Bon Jovi. Oh, I mean, mm. let's just do a nuclear option on this one too. Let's get rid of both. <laughs> Another nuke. All right, that's fair. No, not and for the opposite reason. The bad nuke. They're both Just terrible. Keep it. <laughs> Happy here, either one of them. But just so you know, they all go to the bad place, and they are not categorized as good or bad. It's yeah. just all bad there. So Steely Dan is equal to Aerosmith and oh. Bon Jovi, where they're going. And yeah, Gangstar. Exactly. And Gangstar. Oh, um, man. It How just says, it, 
it just says music yeah. <laughs> and just thumbs thumbs down thumbs down oh, uh, yeah you just put those in the same bin <laughs> all right west coast talk here uh east coast west coast tribe called quest or far side it's another tough one but um i think um as much as i love tribe um and you know obviously we were out here listening to those records at the same time mm-hmm. far side would have a much bigger impact for us um in los angeles at that time period so um take far side the bizarre ride to the far side was like we really really played that record to death and i don't mean dj i mean just like popping the tape in you know mm-hmm. oh yeah and that's shout out uh, slim kid shout slim kid they're back on tour as yep. the far side uh yep. f-a-r s-i-d-e what i have to ask we have to ask trey about that yeah um i thought we did no the rebrand the rebrand is not the traditional spelling of far side right because i literally the far side did we because does the label label own it that's what i'm assuming yeah we probably don't even need to ask him i I feel like that's the answer i thought we talked about that maybe not okay it's been a long time i gotta check now yeah um let's get into some tough stuff here or maybe not queen (laughs) (laughs) queen or david bowie I'll go with David Bowie. I'm actually not a huge Queen fan, tell you the truth. Really? Okay. And I'm a huge Bowie fan, though. Oh, yeah. I even Uh, like, I like the later stuff, even like Tuesday's Child and I'm Afraid of Americans. I I like, I love Bowie, you know? Top three Bowie off the top of the head, this place, this moment. Mm. I don't know if I'll come up with three, but by far my favorite Bowie song is going to be, um, um, God, why is the name escaping now? I can sing it. I could. <laughs> there we go. We'll take that. <laughs> dance, magic, dance. No. That, that, <laughs> that's a bugged out record. You know, like, in fact, with context, you're like, what is this? What is this yeah. song? Oh, Lady Grinning Soul. I don't know why the name was escaping me. But oh, that's my yes. Okay. That's what that's what I was humming a second ago. In case you didn't, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyone that's like, "Oh, dance magic, dance" is my favorite Bowie song. You're just like, "What in the absolute <laughs> fuck?" Like, no, but I came across it recently going through. Uh, you know, when I was DJing, I was like, "Wait, is this the song from Labyrinth?" Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And that's what I was. I had to. I had to check myself. Like, wait, is that what that is? And I'm like, okay, we're not. Yeah, we're not. <laughs> Sound soundtrack guys again. Soundtrack, soundtrack guys. guys. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, clips or Mob Deep? I'm gonna go with Mob Deep. Okay. I mean, I feel like um, Mob Deep, and you know, this comes down to like the timing, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, when Mob Deep came out, like, yeah, we were on, you know collecting records and playing records but like we were really bumping the tape when clips came out we were already like deep into djing where you're kind of like taking everything piecemeal yeah yeah yeah, they would get play in the club but Mm -hmm. i wasn't like let me sit down and listen to the clips record Mm -hmm. Uh, whereas mob deep just because of the time period when that the record the first record came out not only we were playing the single but we were bumping the tape too so it's uh, unfair towards clips but um it you know <laughs> crumbles. Yeah. No, I feel that. Uh Jay-Z or Bruce Springsteen. 
Well, I, you know, I'm going to go with Jay-Z um, just because I think I, I got more use out of it when, if, if we're like looking at all the components. Um, you know, we were, God, I was just having this conversation with my girl yesterday because she had the, 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 the Bruce Springsteen E Street channel on Sirius on. I'm like, why are we listening to this? <laughs> <laughs> that answers all the questions right there. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not even going to talk about my new Bruce Springsteen fandom. We're not even going to get into oh, that. Oh, he's cause... ill. Don't get me wrong. He's ill. Yeah. But, you know, uh, for coming out of that or Jay-Z, I'm going to get uh, more mileage out of, out of Jay-Z. Absolutely. Million percent. Million percent. ACDC or Guns N' Roses? Well, was the easy one. I mean, I, uh, it's funny you mentioned those two because I was just having this conversation with a USC professor uh, last week. We're talking about anthem records, and they don't make them anymore. And um, when I say anthem records, I'm talking about records that will have a substantial reaction for any age group, and uh-huh. whether you're playing it 20 years ago or currently. And yeah. "Took Me All Night Long" would be one of those records, but "Sweet Child of Mine" would also be one of those records. Um, but I am going to go with Guns N' Roses because I just grew up loving "Appetite for Destruction," mm-hmm. and you know, right before the pandemic, I actually opened for them at. Super Bowl uh, at uh, American Airlines Arena. Oh, yeah. It was a lot of fun. Wow. Uh, Shit, man. To not just open, but also I got to sit through their sound check, which was dope, you know? How do you go into that? What's your game plan going into right. that? It's, that's a great question, and I'd love to say that I'm so prepped, but, I mean, really, you don't know what. All you can do is have, like, a huge arsenal, and then usually you've overprepared when you do that. As an example, I did the premiere for this uh, Tony Hawk documentary a couple weeks ago. Oh yeah, the um, mm-hmm. old one. Yep. And just based on the music that they had in the movie, and also like a, a Spotify playlist that they had sent me from Tony Hawk, I was like, oh, I'm really gonna have to dig on these. And I know all those records because I grew up skateboarding, and you know, I listened to punk rock when I was uh, a youngster. So I had, I was familiar with all this stuff. I might not have had mp3s for everything but i had mp3s for a good portion of it and i over prepared for a two-hour set you know what i'm saying um it's because i in my head going in talking about preparation i'm like what skateboarders are going to be there who's going to throw me a curveball that i'm not going to be able to deliver how am i going to be exposed how am i going (laughs) to so you over prepare and suddenly like for a two-hour set you've got nine hours of, of punk rock records on deck so same thing with Guns N' Roses. You don't want to play any cheesy stuff, even though, you know, that record comes out in 88, I think, or 89, uh, mm-hmm. after construction. And there was a lot of corny stuff being played simultaneously with Guns N' Roses, but you don't want to come play, you know, with no disrespect to Winger. You don't want to play the Winger record with the Guns N' Roses. You know what I'm saying? Right. So going in, you just want to play cool, cool stuff that maybe they might have been, uh, they may have been influenced by but also people who are fans of Guns N' Roses to the point where they're going to go to a Guns N' Roses concert during Super Bowl weekend at American Airlines Arena that they also might like. So right. it's usually over preparation. And then you find out you just could have done it by walking in, having not prepared at all. If you're a good disc jockey, you know what I mean? Right. Now, do you touch on new stuff like Seven Nation Army, other arena stuff, or is that kind of you off the table? do that because I, I feel like that's in the pocket. So I would definitely... That would be something you could work in. You could work in anything rock adjacent, you know, Yeah. yeah. Um, if it's good. You can, I mean, disc jockeys uh, uh, who are worth their salt can usually find the through line. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. The issue, uh, regardless of genre, but also 
regardless of the uh, the uh, the the micro categorization within what a genre. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. No, that's that's an that's an incredible gig, and that's it's a fun gig too. From the sounds of it, I mean that and the Tony Hawk. That's kind of what we as DJs live for nowadays, like yeah. that kind of shit. After just monotonous, you know, bottle service. I know mm-hmm. you've ran the bottle service circuit for eons, you know, and that shit gets old. You know, it gets stale. It's well, imagine this. They say, "Do you want to play this gig where it's the premiere for the Tony Hawk documentary?" There will be a half pipe with a demo, and you're gonna play mostly punk rock records. Yeah. Do you not want this gig? Yeah, it's like it's like my childhood fantasy manifesting. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah, that's having that's growing up having half pipes in my backyard and having a shop sponsorship. And in fact, you can go on YouTube and watch my uh, skateboard video from 1990 that we edited on the the captain's on the captain's YouTube channel. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're going to post a link to that in the comments for sure because I want to yeah. see that. Um, Sade or Aaliyah? Uh, I mean, I'm going to go with Sade as much as Aaliyah is dope to me, but Sade for sure. Sure. BGs or Fujis? Well, BGs, though, that's weird that you say that because they kind of like their chocolate got caught in their peanut butter on the We Trying to Stay Alive. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Neek loves that song. Neek absolutely <laughs> loves that song. Not. It's, good. It, it's a good jam, but it's it's um the 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 track is produced weird where it's like there's no easy way to mix out of it because of the way they chop the chop the sample up. So it's always tough. Like, how do you get out of this song? Um, but uh yeah, but I uh, yeah, obviously Bee Gees. Um, in fact, it's so funny because right here next to me. Right here next to me is, I know it's, what happened to it? This Bee Gees concert t-shirt. Oh, hell yeah. oh sick. From the Spirits Having Flown uh, tour uh, that my dad was a cinematographer on. So here's his backstage pass on the thing. And, uh, you know, so. That's so rad. In the UK so family, uh, the Bee Gees. That's so sick. sick. God, that yeah, that's a piece of history. And so are these two gentlemen. Yeah. Phil Collins or George Michael? Oh, I mean, I love George Michael. Um, <laughs> it's funny because um, as much as, uh, you know, he had a lot of string hits and I probably was not paying attention to him during the Wham! success, but also like when he was like, you know, running with supermodels and whatnot. I remember when the older record came out, like George Michael older, when he kind of like simmered down and he's doing kind of, um, I don't know what you would call it, like adult contemporary songs. Mm, mm-hmm. I really was like, yo, this record's dope when it came out. So this is in the 90s, I guess. Yeah. Late 90s maybe when it came out. And that's really- Father what, figure? No, that's even prior. Mm, this is like, oh, yes. there's like a record that was not even like, I don't think it was like a popular record. It had no mm. MTV hits, except mm-hmm. maybe like the song where he sampled, uh, uh, yeah. I don't know if he sampled take your time or if he sampled uh forget me nots one of the two but oh um, i think it might be forget me not i one it's one of the two songs i can't remember yeah. offhand, but um that record is full of like i don't know just like mellow stuff kind of like sting doing leaving las vegas soundtrack like oh yeah Archer. and then also there's this daryl hall's daryl hall this record in the 90s 
I don't know the name of the album. And I remember having to track it down because there's only a Japanese pressing of the CD just to get this song called Cab Driver. And it's like, I don't know, he, I think he samples like the Tom Scott sneaking in the back drums. And like, it's like super adult contemporary. I don't know why. It, Hold on, I'm going to interrupt feel, you. Fast Love. Yeah. That's Fast the name love. of the George Michael song? Fast Love. That's the George Michael song? Yes. And what does it say what it sampled? It samples Forget Me Nots. It did. Yeah, yes. I think that was a single off that George Michael older record. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, so I actually, I'm going to go with George Michael just because, I don't know, as much as I love Genesis, uh, hearing it when I was a kid, um, especially this song called Mama. I don't know if you know this one. I think it was came after uh, That's All on that 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 one Genesis record. But um, yeah, George Michael's my, 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 uh, my choice there. Fair. I just skimmed through that older album. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that older <laughs> album is fire. It's yeah, it's good. Yeah, that came out in 96. And yeah, I remember. Remember, yeah, I told you, I told you, my mom had had us listening to George Michael all the time. So, does she have a little crush on George? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, everyone. Oh, one hundred percent. Everyone. Everyone. Did. Even yeah. when he came out, she was like, "So, so yeah. don't care, yeah. don't care." Yeah, yeah. Um, two more. Uh, we're gonna go big here with these two: Beatles or Beach Boys. Mm. I mean, that's so tough for me. Uh, because I love both. And in fact, Beach Boys was my very first concert I ever went to. Now, you can still press that button. You can, that? Still, you can still press that nuke one more time. <laughs> can everyone. you imagine racing Beach Boys and Beatles from like <laughs> from the pantheon of music? <laughs> Is there even music? No Beatles? Like so right. much would be gone. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, my first concert ever was uh, the Beach Boys played the halftime show at like a USC game when I was a kid. And obviously that's not gonna be the greatest lineup of Beach Boys. <laughs> Fair, yeah. Uh, though I did go to, um, Brian Wilson did Pet Sounds front to back of the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, wow. Which was like, I went to that and that was just like nuts. Though he did open with, and I don't know why, the Bare Naked Ladies song, you know, I, uh, uh, I want to stay in bed like Brian Wilson did. It's some bare naked lady song. Oh like, no! Like, he came here to your pet sounds, not the bare naked ladies. Um, <laughs> what? <fun> yeah. <laughs> um, it was it one week. <laughs> no, it's this song called "I Want to Stay in Bed Like Brian Wilson Did." That's the lyric. That's the hook. Oh wow! So he does that one. A bare know, naked deep cut. Yeah. <laughs> He, he produced uh, pet sounds from bed as the as the legend goes you know he had a oh yeah a yeah, bed yeah. in a box in the studio and he would you know lay in bed and produce the produce pet sounds from there though obviously that's probably exaggerated because there's plenty of footage of him you know studio <laughs> the, the wrecking crew uh right. for the making of that that song though to be fair to the beatles rubber soul is like one of my top five records of all time so mm. I, I can't um it's tough for me to choose between beatles and and beach boys a nuke <laughs> it's and, a nuke so, can you imagine but you know what nuking it would get rid of mike love you know what i'm saying oh <laughs> that's that's a little that's a little uh you gotta do your research on that one to know why you want that to happen have you ever watched a clip of mike love uh, the, the, when the beach boys are being inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame 
And he's apparently, I don't know if he's drunk or just like bugged out, but he's like, he calls out the Beatles and he calls out the Rolling Stones. He's like, you know, talking smack during the induction speech. <laughs> Which worth to watch because it's so bugged out. So did he go like Michael Jordan? What's did that? Go, oh, did he go a whole Michael Jordan? Michael Jordan heel? Because when Michael Jordan got inducted into the NBA Hall of Fame or the Basketball Hall of Fame, he went off. He invited he invited the guy that beat him out in the in the high school tryouts. In the high school tryouts. He invited him to his Hall of Fame speech. Imagine harboring that kind of like you're still hung up on this one thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. He even said to like the uh the okay. Bulls owners, he goes, you know, uh, you guys are here. I don't know why you guys are here because I didn't invite you. I mean, Jerry Krause, though, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. He, um, After that the, whole ordeal, yeah. The high school guy is crazy, though. The high school that's, guy is crazy. He dug deep. Like, you get the call, and you're like, hey, it's Michael Jordan, asshole. And you're like, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> the, uh, the Mike Love induction speech is more about, I think he's addressing the fact that, you know, the Rolling Stones and the Beatles – have been put on this pedestal of uh, rock mm-hmm. and then the beach boys for whatever reason don't even though they're legendary and and prolific not prolific necessarily but like um they uh they have continue to have legs right um, they've never considered in that same pocket as rolling stones or beatles you know is what it I'm because saying? of their bubblegum hits yeah definitely it, it could be but the the beatles had bubblegum hits up front too That's true you know? that is true um, those early concerts before they stopped touring if you watch the footage it might as well be a backstreet boys concert circa 2000 yeah, yeah, right, screaming right. over the music you know yeah i don't know uh, what it is yeah, I, what, I, yeah. I, I don't know if it's just because the beach boys like had a whole they kind of pigeonhole i don't want to say they pigeonhole themselves or box themselves in with their name and then like surf rock becoming a thing mm, mm-hmm. and so it kind of like mm-hmm. locked them into this little thing when like pet sounds and surfs up are like such bigger than that like right that's just straight up rock music versus just yeah, it, it, it to belittle it to like i don't know surfing bird or something like it's right. not the same yeah right 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 <laughs> When you see these more esoteric conversations of the Beatles or the Beach Boys, they both talk about how they were trying to, they were inspired by each other mm-hmm. and trying to one up the 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 catalog, right? Um, so it's not like the Beatles, the Beatles are not discounting the Beach Boys. No, not at all. Opposite, but for whatever reason, you know, the the public opinion, mm. they just don't consider. You know, Sergeant Pepper's. Well, I'll, I guess music people would say Sergeant Pepper's and and, and Pet Sounds, right? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, the Beach Boys, I guess, didn't, uh, with the exception of uh, Good Vibrations, didn't have another huge hit after the Pet Sounds record. Yeah. So maybe by the people were like, oh, well, they fell off. Meanwhile, the, the Beatles don't have that many records either. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like in terms of <clears> short <throat> window catalog, the, the Rolling Stones are the ones that have longevity. They're the ones mm-hmm. that continue right. to, uh, or not longevity, but being prolific they continue to make records all the way till i don't know what their last record was uh the last one i was checking for was whatever that one in the 90s that the dust brothers did do you remember that voodoo voodoo lounge could be it there was like um if you remember there was like a rolling stone song with like a biz sample in it and you're like mm. Huh? Mm. 
That's crazy. <laughs> I don't know about that one. Yeah. Yo, it's called Love is Strong. Um, oh, wow. And uh, yeah, they have albums for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Voodoo Lounge, 1994. Love is Strong is the first track. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. a Dust Brothers, Dust Brothers production, and it's got uh one two, a uh, one two on it. It's got it's uh-huh. got biz on the track. So um yeah, the Rolling Stones have like, you know, they didn't break up. They're still going. The only thing that's gonna stop them is like when they slowly start dying off. Right. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 uh the Beatles Beach Boys conversation is uh that's a tough one, but Again, this is an esoteric conversation. This isn't most people be yeah. like, what do you guys what do you guys yeah, babbling? for the heads? <laughs> what is this? What is this you're babbling about? So your final vote would be. I probably listen to the Beatles more than the Beach Boys as much as I love the Beach Boys. And I've actually well, let's see. <laughs> I'm trying to think, think what I've seen in concert. I, I've definitely seen Brian Wilson twice perform live. But the only Beatle I've seen perform is Ringo Starr. And this is really random. But I was walking along Robertson uh, one Sunday afternoon at Robertson in, in West Hollywood. And I hear someone butchering live, butchering Beatles songs. And I was like, what is this? Like, who's doing this? Who's letting this happen? And as they get closer and closer to where the source, it's the John Varvatos store, of course. And... Um, <laughs> And I'm like, I peek over the hedges to see what it is, and it's it's Ringo Starr singing, doing Beatles songs. <laughs> like it was like, like afternoon, afternoon party or something. Like, am I having a stroke right now? <laughs> I was like, what is this, man? <laughs> Poor Ringo, oh, man. I just thought of this, where these two worlds meet. So. This would be pr- just prior to the pandemic, maybe a couple years prior to the pandemic, because we didn't have events during the pandemic. But Stella McCartney was having an event at the Amoeba store in Hollywood. Okay. And um, I was lucky enough, my, 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 my girl got us uh, you know, on the guest list. So we went and Brian Wilson was performing, which, you know, that's the second time I've seen him. I believe Pink performed and I want to say Beck performed, but I'm not... I, Again, I'm not positive about that, but walking into Amoeba where they're just having this event in the middle of the record store, like amongst the bins, if you ever been there. Mm-hmm. And I see Paul McCartney talking to Ringo Starr. Now imagine just walking in and seeing those two guys having a chat, like just like <laughs> having a drink and talking to each other. At the record store. <laughs> At the record store with Brian Wilson performing, you know what I mean? Wow. That's where those two worlds collide. That's crazy. Wow. At Amoeba of all places. Uh, yeah. Unbelievable. Unfucking it was a there was no fashion show, which would make sense because she has her, you know, clothing right. line, event for Stella McCartney clothing. And that's why it had that caliber of folks in there. And I was uh, you know, uh, lucky enough to uh be in attendance. God so wow. that's the best. That's like the yeah. best of, of music. Like maybe you get a Robert Plant there and you have fucking music right yeah. like there it is yeah. like to yeah. watch like ringo and paul do like back in the ussr or something like that they didn't yeah. perform they were just chatting i don't they're think they're just... i mean if they performed together it would be like a big deal but right. yeah that's that's a huge deal they're just chopping it up like if i bumped into any one of you at a, an event we might uh yeah. share a few words 
<laughs> no big deal. No big deal. Um, we do like to end the lightning round with this question. Then we're going to talk to you about some DJ stuff and talk to you about some Vegas stuff and some, some odds and ends. Um, Outcast or Hall of Notes? God, man. This is another tough one. I mean, uh, how do you choose these things? And I don't mean, when I say that, I don't mean how do you choose these questions? That <laughs> Which is also a fair question, though. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to go with... Uh, I guess I'm going to go with... Uh, I can't. <laughs> Got to go... I, I was going to say I was going to go with Outcast only because they are so influential for uh-huh. the genre that they're in. Yeah. Um, I can't make the same case for Hall of Notes, though somebody might be able to. Sure. Um, but I, just uh, I do love Hall of Notes. Um, like I was at that Troubadour show, that the famous one uh, that, the, that they recorded, um, which was awesome. I think that's actually where I discovered the song Cab Driver. I'm like, what song is this? <laughs> I had to research it and find out that it was like some weird Japanese pressing CD. Um, but uh, I've seen Hollow Notes quite a few times in concert. And I've only seen Outcast once in concert at the Vibe Awards in like 2002 or something. Oh, wow. <laughs> Where, That's uh, sick. Went, uh, again, with Renato Laranja, we went uh, and uh, they performed uh, Hey Ya and I Like the Way You Move. Um, singles okay, from- yeah. Um, oh, yeah. No, I do remember seeing that. I remember watching that. Yeah. Well, uh, I got to see it in person. That's amazing. Shout out to Vibe. Yeah, yeah for shout real. Shout out to Vibe. For real. Who was Vibe? Was that Quincy? That was Quincy, right? Steve, you're correct. Yeah. 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 Well, Qu- was Quincy Jet? No, I think no. I think Quincy Jones is uh is vibe. His vibe. vibe. Yeah. And then vibe. Benzino was source. Yeah. Yeah. He, well, it, it, my understanding is he came in uh later, uh if you um research the history there, okay. there was founded, then he came in and took over. I don't gotcha. know if he was the founding guys. We'll have to ask uh Shecky Green. He has the answers. John oh, oh, yeah. Shecky. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh which way are you feeling today? Are you feeling hollow notes? Yeah, I'm going to go with Hall Notes just because, you know, uh, though if you ask me to uh, right now who I if I could see one in concert, I'm going to choose Outcast only because I never got to witness other than those two songs uh, an Outcast concert. <laughs> other than those two songs at the, the Five Awards. Two singles, <laughs> I'm like not the ones that I would ask for, you know what I mean? If that Yeah. You might so as well I, have saw Outcast do a magic dance at that point. It's <laughs> <laughs> one of the same. <laughs> not to not to discredit Hey Ya, which is a great fucking song. It's just off the wall. Speaking of bugged out songs, that's no one ever in a billion years would have imagined Andre to drop that as his as his solo right. contribution. And I like the way you move. Is just you know I like the way you move. You know I that's. Played- Songs on a, a nightly basis, I would say. You know, they both get worked in there. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. You know, they got those songs got legs. Um, but there's plenty of other stuff in the catalog that you would like to work in if uh, more people uh, were, you know, would get hyped on it. Usually, if you drop something like AT Aliens or something, um, a few heads might be like, "Oh yeah," but most mm-hmm. people are like, "What is this?" Mm-hmm. Right. right. 
Right. That's just the nature of the beast. No, that's that's fair. Yeah. Well, you survived the lightning round. Uh, hopefully, it wasn't too grueling. Uh, he dropped what? Three nukes? Three yeah. Nukes? There's there's yeah there's some nukes dropped. There's two Brought official to you nukes. by nukes hot sauce. Yeah, a part a couple partial nukes and then uh, a couple full blown nukes. Uh, <laughs> uh, Graham, while we have you here, I want to talk to you about some DJ stuff. I know these guys want to talk to you about DJ stuff as well. Um, Obviously, the history of you DJing goes back many years, and we don't need to get into the genesis of that. But I kind of want to hear from you when you knew, the moment you knew this was going to be your career, from then moving forward. Uh, Well, what I'll say first is um, I don't think anybody who came from my era of DJing, they weren't like, we're going to have a career at this. Sure. I don't think it was even in the conversation because, um, you know, DJing as we know it now, yeah, there's way more opportunities and you can be like, okay, that's what I want to do. Back then it was something that you just do, right? In addition to other stuff. It wasn't like, it wasn't, there wasn't a huge career. You could become a producer, maybe you could go into A&R, um, back in those days but i don't think there was anybody who was like well this is what i do now or this is i have a career in djing for me i just like suddenly so i yeah i dj'd uh in the 90s when there was no money um and uh the early 2000s when there was really no money and then suddenly like oh four oh five there's money and that was like not just for like me or some other dj that was like an industry-wide thing where like suddenly there's money to be made and the next thing you know 10 years go by you know what i'm saying like you so when you say career i'm like oh i just you just wake up and you're like wait well hold on a second you you know you work 250 nights in one year uh you've been on an airplane for just as many many days and uh so it wasn't like yeah like well my career is going great you know it was never that was never part of the conversation it was just like you were just so busy and just like kept going and going and the calendar stacked and there's money coming in and you're having a great time and you're meeting a ton of people and you're seeing stuff that you wouldn't ever see before. And then like suddenly like a decade plus passes you by and you're like, Oh, okay. Well, I guess that was a career. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And I, in the meantime, I've done other stuff besides DJing that I enjoy doing, you know? Um, But uh, I, what made me want to DJ a lot of people say uh, they saw the movie Juice and wanted to DJ, which that was not the case for me. Um, I was I carried records for this guy I mentioned before, Mike Messick. That's how we met him. A friend of mine had hired him to do like we used to go to underground parties. I grew up with uh, this guy Pasquale Rotella, who owns Insomniac. Yeah. Um, but we used to go on weekends when we were in high school. We used to go out to underground parties. We called them undergrounds, not raves. Rave was a verb to us. Yeah, we're going raving, not to yeah. a rave. We go to undergrounds, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, so a, a friend of mine threw, decided to throw one, and he hired Mike Messix. And Mike Messix was a dude that would do the, the side room, the funk room, we called it. And in that room, they're playing disco records, funk records, rock records, and then hip hop of the time, '90s hip hop, right? So we were like, that was where I spent all my time. Not that in sounds the amazing, by the way. Oh, yeah, it was the best. And, you know, Pasquale has tried to recreate that a few times at EDC. You know, a couple of years ago, we did a funk room stage. Um, I played 
Z Trip played, Jazzy Jeff played. Um, we have we've had Craze play. Um, you know, uh, Soul Clap, like people in that pocket, and um, we tried to get it going, but that's obviously not what people are going to eat for to see that kind of stage, right? Um, but back in the day, yeah, there was a funk room, and so there was a couple guys playing in those rooms. And um, I actually have some old flyers from the 90s uh, insomniac parties. And it, and I don't remember this at the time, but if you if I looked at them now, I'm like, oh, the Beat Junkies were playing in the same room as me. A-Track was playing in the same room as me. And we didn't, I didn't know these dudes. Like, Hubert's playing in the same room as me. Right, right. It wasn't like it is now. There's no social media. Like, you just kind of, like, showed up for your set. And so I never really, like, established a relationship with any of these people. Um, it didn't come till later that I that I knew these people personally, you know. Um, but uh, anyways, Mike Messick. So a friend of mine had hired Mike Messick to do the funk room, and for whatever reason, we ended up driving him to this night, and I carried his crates in, or helped carry his crates. And walking in and just seeing like people getting excited to see this dude show up, I was like, okay, I want to do this. That is where that was where I was like, okay, this is something I'm interested in. Let me explore this a little bit more and i started collecting records and having been in that funk room every single saturday night all night for however long we did this um that's how i got exposed to records and um again no internet really back then no yeah no internet all back then so i'm getting i'm collecting records by looking at the back of albums there was a tape called dj shame traveling through sample land that was like 90 minutes of like some guy cutting up uh rap samples so i'd have to like i'd go to record stores and like looking for these samples um when i was in san francisco going to college i would sit in the dj booth at a place called nikki's barbecue and watch the on the one guys like andrew jervis dj and just paying attention to what they're playing like rare grooves and that's how i really got on that kind of stuff so if you want to call that focus on a career yeah but to me i was just having fun and i was just interested yeah Um, and it yeah. made me happy. So that's why that's, that's what I, uh, involved myself in. Yeah. Do you remember at that time what the big song was? Like you could drop a big song every night and it would be like that peak moment. Like for a while it was, we found love like during our time at underground and stuff like that. Well, so we're talking in the nineties here. So like, and I'm in the funk room. Yeah. So big records in the funk room might be uh, Knee Deep by Funkadelic. Yeah. You know what I mean? That would get people hyped. Um, but also hip-hop was coming. Hip-hop was like, you know, being released, like what we call golden era hip-hop was being released at that time. So the Cypress Hill record or BC Boys record or the Black Sheep record, these were all big records. Yeah. Um, in terms of... Uh, uh, you know what my san francisco dates at nikki's barbecue they're playing rare grooves they're playing you know it's where i learned about steve errington's hall of fame or uh-huh. uh you know uh more like that's where i discovered like the black jazz label i don't know if you guys know black jazz like uh-huh. really dope label like it has like a just like a, a strong arm right but um i guess the trying to think what might be the like the biggest sample that we might we just recently did like um a repress of like some of those albums did they really yeah i think like this year nope yeah I'm, so i was just paying attention to you know uh okay i see westbound records you know i see uh, you know like curtum records you know the stuff that you like 
you start paying attention to that stuff, just being in the booth and watching them, not taking notes or whatever, but just being exposed to it and then going to record swaps, you know, right, right. like digging and digging and digging. It's funny. I just hit my homie in New York uh, last week asking him if, if we, in 1997, if we had gone to the Roosevelt hotel record swap in New York city, like the famous one. And he goes, indeed we did. Um, I remember going to one in a, in a, uh, in the banquet room of a hotel when I was out there in 97, but I, you know, I wasn't putting the pieces together, but the Roosevelt, uh, the Roosevelt, uh, record swap came up in conversation recently in terms of buying the drums for Shook ones part two. And I was like, Oh, I wonder if that's the one. So just wow. digging, digging KUSF swap meet KZSU, um, you know, like college swap meets coming back home from San Francisco to go to Pasadena city college swap meet. Like I was digging and yeah. digging, digging. Were the record labels in your ears giving promos a lot at that time? I was in a record pool when I moved back to LA in the early 2000s. Uh, the late great DJ AM got me into Cali Kings, of mm-hmm. which there was uh, a lot of dope DJs in Cali Kings. Uh, rest in peace to, uh, to Frank, who used to run it. Um, he died a couple years ago. Um, but um, yeah, we would get promos. And I was just telling this story recently too, maybe last week, that you would get so much product in the early 2000s and I would drive my 87 Monte Carlo down to like, uh, you know, Los Feliz or like Echo Park to pick up the wax every Saturday. And um, there was songs that I would get and I would dismiss like this will never work and then have and get rid of them after giving my feedback and then have to buy them eight months later when they become hits. You know what I mean? And that would happen all the time. Like my taste was so off base. Brutal. But, um, yeah. So yeah, we would get, I mean, I couldn't tell you when I unloaded most of the record collection of stuff that I was never going to play again. I couldn't tell you how many yellow slip and slide singles <laughs> or like, like green TVTs. Yeah. Yeah. All the yin yang twins, all, all the, the TVTs. Yeah. Those are fire. Yeah. Uh, respect to them, obviously, but there was like a ton of that, you know, they, they push a ton of, of uh, records on us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and the other thing about back in those days of record pools is, you know, Jay-Z would come out with a new single and maybe send five to market, right? And that's it. So yeah. if you wanted to hear the new Jay-Z song, you're either hearing it on whoever has it on power or you're one of the, the top-ranked club guys like AM who would have it. And that's the only way you're hearing that song. Not like now where you just hear whenever you want, right? Like if you wanted to hear the new Jay-Z single, you're going to the club where that guy who has it's playing it or you're listening for when it's when it's dropping on the radio. So record right. pool days were funny like that. Sometimes they would, you know, bottleneck, bottleneck the exposure. Right. Now, at that time, you were carrying the crates and you were working in the side room, the funk room. Tell us what led to your your next residency, your your first maybe it's out of town, well, maybe no, something like that. Yeah, so I didn't work in the funk room back then. This is I would just spend time there. Chilling. Yeah. Exposed to the music I wanted. When um, I DJed when I was in San Francisco, like, you know, here and there, sometimes I had a radio show at Stanford at the radio station there. Um, And uh, I would pop into Beat Sauce sometimes. I don't know if you guys know Jay Boogie's Dubtronic Science. I would, you know, spin on his show uh, once in a while. But when I moved back to LA uh, in 2000, um, I think I'd pretty much like been like, all right, well, you know, there's not a ton of money in this. I'll still collect records, but I'm not like actively pursuing stuff. But um, I ended up getting, when I moved back, 
I went into this place called North, which became Hyde. And I don't know, like I just uh, asked them if I could DJ um, because uh, maybe I didn't like what the guy who was playing was, was spinning. I don't know. And like the owner gave me an audition and like five minutes in, he's like, I need you Thursdays and Saturdays. So that's what got me back in. In the early 2000s, I was working seven nights a week at various spots, um, like nonstop and carrying records. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on real quick. You said five minutes. So that's what, two songs? Yeah, you know, because uh, we <laughs> quick, quick mix the vinyl. You know, it's like I'm not the dude even back then that might put a song on and go futz around. Right. You know, I'm going to like you hired me to work. I'm going to go to work. Yeah. So even quick mixing on vinyl. You know, I don't think I could do it now, having been out of practice for so long. But, you know, during our peak vinyl era, you know, like 01, 02, 03, like before Serato, yeah. we were on it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we were quick mixing nonstop. Like, we kept it moving. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, there wasn't a ton of DJs working in L.A. in the early 2000s. It's not like it is now. You know, there was just a few dudes. There was a... Uh, you know, AM obviously was working. There's a guy named Scott Oster who was a professional skateboarder. Um, and then a bunch of, uh, you know, I don't know if anybody would know these names since they, you know, most of them, Adam 12. I mean, you guys yeah. know who yeah. that is. But, um, most of the around the way dudes that were, you know, playing, maybe they, uh, they didn't keep going in the same fashion, but there wasn't a ton of DJs. Um, sure. So uh, yeah, maybe, I don't know, the guy heard me and liked it. And next thing you know, I started working at National, which was a dope spot. And um, I got the 40 Deuce gig. So uh, I got the standard. I mean, there was a bunch of early 2000 stuff that, that you know, put me on. Was that downtown or West Hollywood? Um, I played the downtown one um, from opening day on, uh, yeah. doing Wednesday nights and Sunday nights, which were like, I think the best nights to go, go down there. Mm. Um, and what was cool about that gig was uh, Andre Balaz was like, I don't want anything specific. I want it to feel like if you're here, you could be anywhere in the world. So he really gave you, uh, you know, license to kind of like stretch and play some fun stuff, not just whatever was popular. Also, the, the, the rooftop where the party was only held 300 people and there was like 500 trying to get in. So even if you're playing the worst stuff of all time that no one wanted to hear, no one's leaving there because they're not getting back in like they're staying at at the spot but i didn't play wax stuff i just play like interesting stuff you know <laughs> i love that i love that now what time at what time did you meet am was that early 2000 no i met i knew am from high school from high school we didn't go to the same high school but we had same social circle um similar social circles like if you like like concentric circles um <laughs> yeah like we had like there was uh mutual friend so i knew him we used to call him amg that i mean those are his initials that's what he was known as back in the day and um eh, so yeah so i knew him back then and then i went off to high school and uh or high school i went off to college and uh, coming back i reconnected with him um actually when i was djing at like i think it was a nocturnal wonderland uh in like 2000 that he was there and like we reconnected so yeah we reestablished our fr uh, friendship and uh since he collected records and djs and i collected records and dj we would you know we, yeah. we vibe at on that level yeah now what what led to 
Las Vegas. What led to that moment? So Ivan Kane, who owned 40 Deuce, and then also a club called Deep, which was on Hollywood and Vine. And you've seen it in like the Nelly Hot in Here video, and it's in Ocean's Eleven. It was like pretty famous Hollywood club. Um, uh, I was working for him at both those spots, and he was building out 40 Deuce at Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas. And um, he had a few guys working for him, but for whatever reason, and I think it's because, you know, when I came into the LA 40 Deuce, I totally changed the format from what was happening there before. It was like kind of loungy. And I just came in there with guns blazing. And because it was such a small spot and it was like so hard to get into and had such like a, you know, high profile clientele, it just started going off when I started to play like a club format in a small room. So I think he picked up on that and was like, well, this is what we need in Vegas. So I came out with him uh, to Mandalay Bay mm. um, and I was doing Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights for him. And then I was tasked with sourcing more DJs. And I, uh, so I found five who, when I found five, <laughs> he was, uh, he was DJing. Here's what happened. Actually. I'd already heard about five because he worked at a, a hip hop site which was like the only spot to go get hip hop 12 inches in, in Vegas. Right. Shout out to war and peace. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It, so I'd already heard about five, but I didn't know him. And um, sushi Roku was opening at the forum shops and um, those being LA dudes. Uh, I went to the opening and like I said, I was looking for some, I needed a Sunday night DJ. I needed like, I needed another DJ that could do what I was doing in that 40 deuce. And um, I'm sitting there going like, oh, this guy, this guy knows what he's doing. So I go over and it's five. And that's how I met five. So I hired five at 40 deuce. And then um, as I started spending more time in Vegas, five and I started doing sushi Roku on Monday nights with uh, the national lampoon dudes. That was our first thing together. Um, and then from there, I don't know. I just kind of like, uh, I can't remember what my next residency in Vegas was, but I want to say it was probably Tao beach. Like mm. I was the Saturday and Sunday resident there from the first year, I think to the third year. And then the palms opened and I, you know, became resident at playboy club and then at moon and I was doing rain. Um, and then marquee opened and I, you know, me and stone were the Sunday residents at marquee from the first year. I don't know. We just kind of like, like I said, I was saying before, you kind of just wake up and you're like, wait, hold on. A bunch of years have passed where you're doing this stuff. It wasn't, you're not even cognizant. You're so caught up in the middle of it that you're not stopping to, to realize what it is. You know what I mean? Right. Right. So, and it, it wasn't, it, it was these huge names around you at all time, but at the time it was just, this is my friend. This is, you know, this is just, we're just showing up. We're playing records. We're doing our yeah, thing. Going to work and having fun and, you yeah. know, that's really what it was. And then, you know, it doesn't hurt that you get paid to do it. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so I worked pretty much everywhere in Vegas from uh, from like 04 to, I mean, every club you can name from like 04 to whenever the first year of Marquee was done. Because after that Marquee, I kind of got burnt on Vegas. I pulled myself out of that equation. I would go back once in a while and play places. But in terms of like being there on a regular basis and or having residencies like after that first year at marquee i um i was like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna move back to la i mean not that i ever moved out of la but like i'm gonna spend more time in los angeles right 
Did you notice uh, when you were out there, did you notice, I mean, you had to have, everything kept tightening and tightening up as far as format goes, where it's like initially when you started, it was pretty loose and then a little bit less loose and then it's just play the hits. Yeah, I think there was a trend towards that for sure because I, when, in 04, when a bunch of DJs started working in Las Vegas, that would be AM, that would be Vice, it would be Stone, you know, Crooked, these people coming from somewhere else. I believe that everybody who, who came into those slots were recruited for what they were doing in their own markets. Right. Right. Um, when I had visited Vegas prior to working out there, I had never experienced true open format. I had either been like in a hip hop room where you might see like Obi-Wan and Josh Swissman playing hip hop records or a techno room where they're playing trance. And that was really my only experience. Um, so for what I did, like true open format, um, I had not seen that other than, you know, AM doing it or Z trip doing it. Um, you know, Mark Ronson, people like that we know that are associated with that style of DJing. And right. mind you, that style, of, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, well, this guy invented that style. Or I've heard people say, I invented. When I say I, I don't mean me, Graham Funky. I mean Just, yeah. someone stating that they had invented open format or party rocking, whatever you want to call it. And the right. fact of the matter is this. That style of DJing emerged out of necessity, period. In markets like Los Angeles and New York, uh, and maybe in, on some level Miami or any other um, nightlife hub, you would get, you would be in, a, in, in clubs where you had a variety of people that you needed to service. So for me personally in Los Angeles, you might have George Clooney, Dr. Dre and Slash. So what's your programming to accommodate all of them where they're all having a good time. Right. And that's really where open format came from. It wasn't somebody waking up one day and going, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start mixing the genres up. It was literally out of necessity. And if you want to take it a step further, if you go back to the building blocks of DJing, we're talking about Cool Herc now and Bombada, those dudes were playing open format. Yeah. They, didn't, they weren't stuck in any genre. They were literally playing every genre, finding the connective tissue and through line to make those records work. So as far as I'm concerned, DJing is at its very format. essence is open format DJing, regardless of whatever tentacles there are like on this kind of dj or on this kind of dj like djing is open format dj that's where it comes from sure yeah sure so, yes i agree with you that um based on i would say people aging out of being exposed to certain kind of musics you start to lose like playing black betty or whatever right because right right reference also an explosion of the internet right where they're people have more access to a song they can hear whatever they want whenever they want as many times as they want suddenly yes the taste gets finite so you go into a bottle club you can't experiment a whole bunch because people want to swipe left right you know what I'm saying? um they don't know it or they don't like it so yeah it becomes very homogenized if that's the right word where you're like okay i'm coming in to do this one thing and every dj wants to play it safe because you want to come back. Right. right? You know what right. I mean? You don't want right. to be the guy who like, you know, threw a curveball, and that's all they're paying attention to. Right. So that was a very roundabout way of answering your question. Yes, of course they bottlenecked yeah. what, what was acceptable to be played in the club. And I think it busted out. There was a, a backlash to that on some level where clubs were like, no, we're opening a club where you can go back to doing that. Right. Yeah. 
but yeah, for the the money makers, the big clubs. Yeah. And it's not just Vegas. It's in any city where that happens. If you come in and start playing for yourself instead of playing for the, the crowd. Yeah. You're going to, you know, they're going to put there's a flag on the play, you know? Right. Has that affected your interest in DJing and traveling out? No, because I can I I'm able to compartmentalize those. I if I go in to do that gig, I'll go do that gig. If right. I'm at a gig where I can, you know, have a little more breathing room, then I'm gonna, you know, push the limits. Right. Um, so I'll go do any gig. Prior to the pandemic, when we were really like still zipping around, I was playing all EDM clubs where I was just like playing big room EDM and I can do that all night. I can right. play just the new hip hop. And yeah. then the you know, I can play clubs where you're a little bit more, you can have throwback stuff or you can do a, a rock set or whatever. So it right. just depends on what I'm walking into. I don't ever walk in thinking that I'm just going to impose my tastes on the crowd. I'm going sure. to service that particular crowd. Sure. Now, given Graham's preference, if you were opening a nightclub, what would the name of your club be and who would your resident DJ be? I don't know what the name of my club, my club. Would be. Um, and it would be tough to choose a resident because obviously I like to, um, I mean, I try and put people on already, you know what I mean? And sure, right. for my entire quote unquote career. Um, but um, it's funny you say that be, uh, or ask that because uh, we were doing an interview, Stone and I, for some, it's escaping me now what it was for. They said, who's your favorite DJ? And my response was, it's so dangerous for a DJ to choose among his peers who his yeah. favorite DJ is, right? Right. So that was my answer. And I delivered that answer to him. And I said, having said that, <laughs> DJ Riz, Melody, and Jazzy Jeff yeah. would be my favorites, right? No one would fight you on that. No one's like, oh, that's a garbage list. Like, no one in the world. If you fought me on that, you don't know about DJing. You know right. I mean? um, and that's always, you know, just to pivot quickly, whenever someone comes up to you and says, oh, I'm a DJ too, immediately I'm like, well, no, you're not. You wouldn't bother me with this banal right. conversation if you really were. Or right, you wouldn't right. be bothering me in the middle of a mix. Or, you know what I'm saying? Right, right, um, right, right, right. It's my brother's a chef. And I asked him, uh, how do you distinguish between like a chef like you and then someone calling themselves a chef? And he goes, when you're in the kitchen, you know, proof is in the pudding. And that's the same thing for DJs. Everybody can call themselves a DJ, but when you step into the booth, can you do the thing? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I don't know what the name of my club would be, but yeah, if, Hey, if I could get Riz out here to, uh, to, uh, to be a resident DJ, I mean, who would be angry at this? I love that. No, I love that. That's, that's, it's not just, it's, it's a legendary pick and, and that's more than fair. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm curious always because I know you and Stone kind of have different approaches mentally. Like Stone now, he says, I just want to play fun shit. And I get it. I told as any DJ, like us three, we're like, we just want to play fun shit. And you are capable of compartmentalizing it, as you've said, where you're like, I can go in there and play shit that I necessarily am not going to go home and listen to at all a full night of that. And still get some sort of gratification, oh, yeah, some some him. enjoyment out of that. It's it's kind of a fine line, and and I want to I want to ask you about that because in previous episodes we've talked about 
specialized DJing where, you know, we were talking with Neek and Neek was like, I kind of want to play more house. I kind of want to go down this avenue of playing only house and making house. Did you ever consider that as a viable option where you were like, I want to produce music and, and listen to and only play out in this realm? I think, um, here's the thing. I've never seen, um, I've never witnessed that, or I'm not aware. Maybe we could, someone could correct me here, but I think good producers that are good DJs, you're hard pressed to find one that does both. You have guys that are great producers and can get by DJing, or you've got great DJs that can, you know, maybe put something together, but I've never seen like the complete package. Right. Um, so for me, knowing that getting a quote unquote hit record, it, I mean, go look at like someone like Steve Angelo. You can name like one solo song of his, right? But he has, I don't know how many songs, hundreds of songs or whatever. Yeah, it's right. a number game. So like getting a hit record is, is by no means a business model to become a big DJ. If it happens for you, great. But right. that's certainly not the way to, you know, it's, it's better to pursue DJing. At least that's like best money on the table. But I will also say that I come from an era in which that's all I needed was being a good DJ to get a name and to get hired and for people to be aware of my reputation to the point where they might hire me. That is not the case now for, for someone starting tomorrow. Maybe there's no outlet really like, let me just be a good DJ. Right. Yeah. yeah. That last group that I come from and, and you know, you guys as well. Um, we come from a time when, yeah, you become a solid DJ and be known as a solid DJ and you get work off that. And we're still eating off that, whatever reputation we built, right. Sure. Yeah. Or whatever um, trust club owners are able to bestow upon us. Like, okay, I, I don't need to worry about this guy. I can hire him. He doesn't cost a million bucks and he's going to do the job. Right. Right. I don't think that exists anymore. If you want to be the dude now, um, if you want to play EDC now, you're going to have to get a, some traction with a, a song, like you're saying, you know, so I never went down that, that route. I mean, I've made, me and Stone have made mixtapes. I think Uno Mas was like, is so highly produced where there's so much nuance in there that people aren't even paying attention to that. That's like our Magnus Opus, you know? Yeah. Stone was saying the same thing. He was saying the exact same exact thing. Same thing. Because there's so much stuff in there that is like subtle, but um, I think if Stone and I had put our heads together in a different realm, other than making like our Christmas record, if you remember that um, mm -hmm. thing, um, uh, yeah, maybe we could have had a hit record. Maybe we could have been like a duck, a do a do a duck sauce, like a duck sauce thing. type. Right. But it was never it was never the pursuit. So right. You guys um, had did, all the pieces. What's you guys that? still do. Like you guys have everything to to do that to go. That oh way. yeah. Yeah, you know we could you know, try and make it, make a track. And, um, I don't know. It's just like, I feel like if, if that had been something I was truly, truly interested in, then I would have already like been so mm. inspired to, to chase right. real hard. And I say that all about a lot of stuff. I mean, you know, in the early 2000s, they did a ton of commercial acting. Like I'm in a ton of commercials. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I never had the fire to like, yeah. let me, let me like, do this craft let me take my right. acting practice let me you know i just it wasn't there yeah. yeah and um you know collecting records and djing was always there that was the money not just the money on the table but also something i enjoyed doing i mean i still buy records i don't buy a ton of them i don't go digging a ton but i buy 
records off eBay that, right. um, you know, that I either been looking for or discover late in the game. Um, mm. So, yeah, we, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just never went down the producing realm. Like I said, I feel like there's great producers who are lackluster DJs and then lackluster DJs um, who are amazing uh, producers. Great producers. Yeah. I was and just I- saying something like that the other day too, because I was like, in order to, and I use EDC as an example, I'm like, you you know the the irony in wanting to like dj on bigger stages these days is you have to do something that isn't dj right yeah right to make music and well, then did, hope that your taste translates and people enjoy it right did you watch the swedish house mafia at coachella yes the street- yeah yes. okay that's and i've seen this trend over the, the years of going to edc um it's moved from like a DJ set to we play this song, our new single, right. and then the song ends like you're a rock band. And yeah, and then you just play the, the next song. Yeah, and then play the next song. It's not DJing anymore. So no. the weird thing about it is, you're, since you're not playing any instruments, and no doubt in my mind that it's all pre-programmed because it has to go along with the, the amazing light show that they had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Twisting knobs and dancing around. I don't know. I just I would get bored out of my mind to do that for an hour to like especially when you have the capability of doing more than that. Yeah. So and I'm not disparaging Swedish house mafia at, at all. They're of gonna course. do. Right. Yeah, right. But yeah, I don't they're doing just fine. <laughs> yes. they don't, yeah. Because Ram has assaulted them. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, yo. Second guessing, uh, second guessing their, their careers. <laughs> I have seen a trend in, in the recent past as EDM music gets bigger or has gotten bigger that they're treating it as if it's a, a song and they finish the song and people mm-hmm. people clap and then like you know, and then they start the next song and it's an elaborate light show, almost like it's a normal concert. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, mm-hmm. So to me, that's not, I mean, obviously that's not DJing, you know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. I don't, and again, I, at this point, uh, I can't always tell if someone's playing a pre-recorded track or not. You right. know what I mean? Of course. Tools now t- to sound perfect. When I, at this past EDC, uh, last year, um, when Tiesto went on, he killed it, man. And I think he was like DJing a hundred percent, um, just based on like how stuff was coming, being put uh-huh. together, uh-huh. but he was DJing like an open format, quick mixer, dude. He was just giving you the meat right. like, action. Like it was a build and a drop. And then he's on to the next eight bars, eight bars later, he's to the next one. And it just kept it moving. And it was like, it was so frenetic and dynamic to me. I was like, Oh wow. Okay. Because right. in the past, you know, playing a six minute song you know i used to play at tau beach um so this is i guess 08 when it started i had played house records in my set you know daft punk records or you know but um, i would never consider myself a house music dj Mm -hmm. and that was pretty much a house music venue so i had to learn how to be a house dj and I found like, oh, you guys are just like every six minutes mixing 16 bars. Like, what is this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there, like, if no one could see me, I'd be up there reading Time Magazine in between like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> a lot different. <laughs> like sitting there literally, literally flipping, like reading articles and like, oh, okay, I got to mix in. in hey, here's the break. Here's <laughs> yeah. the break. Oh, okay. oh, you guys need me? Hang on. I'm finishing this sandwich. I'll be right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, again, people's uh, definition of DJing's changed drastically since it's become one popular, but two, so much easier to quote unquote become DJ. Mm-hmm. Right. So, 
um, you know, uh, it is what it is. It's pointless to get angry about it or, you know, it, it just do your thing. I'm just going to keep DJing like I DJ. Yeah. And that's that. I'm not going to switch it up for anybody or tell anybody they should do it differently from what they're doing. And also the specialized route is open format. That yeah. is its own, specialized, is its own route, specialized route where it's like, Hey, you know, all of this fucking music, please come in here. Yeah. Like yeah. no one gives a shit about all of this music anymore. Oh, you listen to 60s, 70s, 80s, right. 90s. Cool. We've been looking for someone that can cater to those three different types of crowds that, you know, like that one, two, three. That's its own specialized route. Well, it's kind of changed now where it's like open format is just a has now become at least here in Vegas has become a blanket term for hip hop and rap. Right. Mm. Top 40. Yeah. 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 yeah, It's just top 40. Pop, pop, rap, top 40. It's not, it's not open format in the way that like, the early guys like am and scam and captains and all you guys did you know what i mean like it's mm-hmm. now when we say open format they're just talking about the hip-hop room yeah they're bringing more that, hip-hop I, into it yeah i would take a step more where i would say open format is yes popular hip-hop and then like a few of the popular edm songs and like yeah you mm-hmm. format mm-hmm. like you go up and do 10 minutes of you know like in this case you're getting reggaeton and peppas and right right know? right that too so you do reggaeton you do hip-hop and you do a couple of the up temp you play the a craze or you play you know what I'm saying? right you play, love. you play these ones that are like um you know those edm records and then that is literally quote-unquote open format but right. as soon as you throw in you know take your pick of like something that would be left field now and yeah. got a manager gm like what are you doing right like, right oh, let it breathe <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah. Breathe. yeah 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 it's it, it's interesting how the the open format is almost initially what would be viewed as open format is just heads now. This is right. just head, heads DJing. You know, this is this is people that actually give a fuck about the music. Right. The right. open the open format term now is something none of us would ever seek out to play a set of where it's like i'm just painting my numbers here you know what's coming exactly. you know like mm. i'm working at a parameter of you can kind of guess i'm not gonna play you know something immigrant song from led zeppelin and mm-hmm. and you know read and react you know yeah it's, right and and to go along the lines of what you said about tso too and live mixing there is an art to fucking up i think Making yeah, a mistake, recovery. Making a mistake, seeing how the DJ recovers. Yeah. I'm way more interested than that. Yeah, we're golfers, than, man. Yeah, than the fucking perfect set of. Well, every song went off tonight. Every song was everyone's favorite song. And have a good night. We closed the book and put a little cherry on top. But the the problem with not in festival environment, obviously, because people just stand and stare at the. Yeah. Stuff, right. Yeah. Um, but in DJ format and uh, having something pre-recorded, you know, you're not able to pivot if it's not working. Right. Yeah. Right. You want, you're, you're trying to feed off the crowd. And, and I would say now, like, you know, an argument can be made for some kids saying, well, give me the top 20 songs and I'll go DJ. And I go, maybe, because really the key here is not the songs. It's 
choosing when to play that song in order to get the biggest reaction. Yeah. Right. Right. Playing top ten, the first t- the your first ten songs being the top ten songs in the country are not going to do the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Peppering mm-hmm. those in to get the reaction that you're making the 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 room pop. That's the job, and that's not that's yeah. not anything than psychology. You know yeah. what I'm Right. Well, Right. And that's not walking in 10 p.m. till 2 a.m., running down a list of tracks and being like, here's this and now this. You love this and this and, and like no fucking chance, no chance. Like and that's that's where that disconnect of building an opening set has been lost, too. You know, I'm sure right. you see it all the time with these uh, opening sets where you're like, man, this is too much too soon. You know, yeah. like like you're you're shooting your load at, at ten oh five for the barbacks and the staff. You know, like, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, like there's there's an art to it still, mm-hmm. and there's a specialized route in being a blue collar head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. You know, it's funny you say that because I call DJs like us grinders. Just grind yeah. it out. Like you know what I'm saying? I, we don't take you shouldn't take the job too seriously at the same time you got to take the job seriously right 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 so we're just grinders we're coming in you can count on us to get get the job done and that's what it is i you know self-filating as a dj is is nuts yeah so um yeah i'm always like we're just grinders we, you know we grind this out we you know you can yeah. call us in where the where the uh uh the ringer you know what i'm saying yeah yeah it's 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 a lighthouse man you know it's it's a constant and you can guarantee on that yeah travis knows we'll call (laughs) the bullpen there uh we have some funny questions before we send you on your way yeah i got one taking up a bunch of your time go ahead here we go here we go hey if you could have one animal to kick it with and to protect you all the time what animal would it be oh it's gonna be a dog Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's That's, easy. That's solid. That's solid. Yeah. In in my uh, my closet, just to my right here, which I won't show you, but I do have like a mandrel head, like a taxidermy. You know, like a (laughs) mandrel, like the big. Oh shit! That's crazy. Um. So that would be an obvious choice. Yeah. But I don't trust uh, him. I don't know how uh how personable my pet. Well, well, okay, we're we're gonna assume that this animal is gonna be like it is your best friend, so it's not gonna do anything to you, right? So it's there to kick it with you, is there to is there to protect you? I'm going with a silverback because you can talk, you can talk with him all the time. You kick it with him, cool to kick it with. Probably be calm as hell until something pops off. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, that's a safe pick. I would probably pick like uh, a falcon, maybe. Oh, a falcon would just like because if you see someone coming towards you to attack you, you just yeah, falconeer with the glove, <laughs> yeah, end it off. Take you know? off the head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take the wearing, helmet off. <laughs> I'm I'm wearing a long flowing white robe in the desert, and I just let it <laughs> off, and they're like, yo. That guy just killed me from six football fields away. I'm over there just waving, drinking a lemonade in the desert. Yeah. <laughs> I don't That's know. You got to think about that, though, because you're far good. away. You're That's far away. <laughs> That's a great one. Handle that. 
Yeah, they're like, oh, he's just got a bird. You're like, not oh so fast. God. Not so fast. Yeah. Apex Predator. Wow. So, um, go ahead, Neek. I am setting my DJ friends up with endorsement deals for fast food establishments such as BTS and McDonald's and Bad Bunny. So no, I would just love say to... Travis Scott, man. He's back. I don't know who that is. I don't acknowledge <laughs> He's back. <laughs> He's back. He, he, he came out. He, somebody brought him out in a, at a high school or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> just recently. That shit was He's, funny. That whatever, was funny as Whatever hell. he gigs he, that man can get right now. Exactly. So I want to set up the Grand Funky Meal. Where, and where is it and what is it? It has to be a fast food chain? Yes. God, that's a, a tough one. Um, and we need your go-to meal specifics, substitutions, add-ons, everything. Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, at a loss for words. Honestly. So late night gig, what are you eating afterwards? God, we stopped doing that so long ago. <laughs> I was gonna say we're. I was gonna say something tells me we're on a different kick now. We're on yeah. a different kick. So, listen, the the the, the, the skin looks day, clear. He's not eating McDonald's. After <laughs> yeah. The, the more you do this, and the uh, the more you're like, it gets harder and harder to rebound. You know what I'm right. saying? Yeah. But right. There have been mad nights where, uh, you know, you go get something to eat after work with the homies, and that's always fun. And I still, you know, might do that. I just might not stuff my face with a pizza or have a uh, you know a burger or whatever i have a burger like once a month maybe i don't need them all that often right. um, but if from a fast food place i go to the tommy's chili burgers you know i guess uh, hey you know what that's a chain that's a chain okay let's do it <laughs> no, so chili burger what's the whole meal side drink it's just going to be fries and uh i'm so i mean listen i'm such a picky eater as it is um and when I say that, I don't mean um, I'm so health conscious that I eat small amount of stuff. You I just don't like shit. You know, Stone always talks shit on me that, um, you know, that I only eat like seven things or whatever. And yeah, he did say that. He did he mention, mention that. He did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, he mentioned that. And I, the only reason I find it funny is because I'm in the same boat. I'm I'm very yeah. much a big Ch- Chicken fingers for days. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I'll have chicken fingers on a, I had Dave's hot chicken a couple nights ago. I'll do that on occasion, you know. Stepping um, out, stepping out of the norm, yeah. Crazy. <laughs> I a lot of turkey sandwiches and chicken breast, and that's only because I actually truly like that stuff. But if you were to ask me what uh what I want to eat, I just like uh you know good coffee, beef jerky, and like parmesan cheese. Man, let's go. <laughs> and like let's all go. And like that's it. You could, you could, you could, uh, you could dump a crate on that, a crate of that, uh, every month on my desert island for it. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. That sounds, that sounds like a Starbucks meal. We could do that. Actually, yeah, yeah. A little protein pack. Charcuterie. Yeah. yeah. A little protein pack. Uh, Graham, what's the last record you bought? Mm. Um. Well, the last record I bought, if I'm looking behind me here. <laughs> The name starts with an F. <laughs> F. We're gonna pull it. We're gonna pull the record. Volumes and volumes and volumes yeah. of albums. No, no, we're gonna get it. It's like in here somewhere. I like that. This is great. Look, there's For- copies of Phase over here. 
<laughs> so sad. Oh, come on. Where are you? For those of you that are just listening and not watching, Graham has a massive library of records, a, a giant hall of, of records, volumes upon volumes, and will never be a shortage during the apocalypse no. of music for this man to listen to. Man, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Now the name's escaping me, and now I have to look up on my eBay purchases right now while we're on the phone. I wonder why you can't find it. (laughs) (laughs) I feel you. That would drive me nuts, too. I'm not opposed to you looking it up because it would drive me nuts, too. (laughs) I have to know now. Start with F. Fallout Boy? Okay, Firefall, but you know what? I'm looking on my purchases, and that actually wasn't the last record I bought, Firefall Elon, which is, I just saw it, um, you know, the sample from Channel Live, Mad-ism, right? Oh, but okay. But there's another oh. bug out, and you know, uh, Colin, I think I hipped you to this record, the very last purchase in the C section, uh, the Champs Boys Choir that did a mashup of Tubular Bells with Donna Summer. And yep. Wow. Down. I think, Colin, I think you played that for me. Yep. Um, yep. No, that's uh, that's a good one. On. Yeah. Hold the phone. Hold the phone. <laughs> Hold the phone. <laughs> because now I have to know. Hold on. It's one of those things where you have all these records, and somebody asks you, "Hey, do you have this record?" You say, "Yeah," and when you go to look for it, nowhere to be found. No, 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 no. Look, happens to me there, here is the last record we got. <laughs> hey. That's a dope ass cover. Yeah, it is. That's a cool it's sleeve. It's a French 12 inch, plays at 45, you know, which is always a bummer back in the vinyl days because, um, you know, you might forget to switch it back to 33. Yeah. Yep. Sure. Yep. Uh, last record Chance Boys Orchestra, Tubular Bells. Oh, amazing. French pressing on Vogue Records, whatever that is. Love Sick. that. Love that. Thank you for that. Yeah. Hey, hey Graham, I want to uh, step back into your acting uh, career. We use that term loosely. Uh, yeah, they, we are going to use it loosely. Because <laughs> we are you, you don't have to do the acting here. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we are developing our uh, DJ biopic cinematic universe. So in our DJ biopic cinematic universe, who's playing Graham Funk? Well, see... There's going to be actors that I enjoy that maybe are not be age appropriate for the Yunke <laughs> story. Like, yeah. so like, you cast Benicia del Toro right now as like young Grand Funky in the in the nineties. Yeah. Um, we could do that now. We have CGI. Yeah, technology. we do. We, we, we have deep fake too. So deep fake exists. I'd be. I would enjoy watching that movie um, with Benicia del Toro as Grand Funke. Love that. <laughs> I like that. Love that. I'm here for that. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a cameo in that movie with uh, Will Smith playing me. So, <laughs> yeah, good old William Smith. William. Um, we not we William. ran through. He's not a William. He's not a oh, William. He's not a William. No. No. Uh, Will Smith's real name is it's not like William. It's Leonard, like Will, right? Will, Willard or something. Oh, like that. is it really? Yeah, it's something very funny. I'm trying to find it right now on his wiki. Willard. <laughs> Willard, Willard Carol Smith the second. There it is. Oh, wow. Not a William. Willard. Um, we asked this last episode, and I want to see if you could dive into pondering this. What was 
What has been your greatest DJ moment so far? Mm. I mean, you don't, uh, you're not going to acknowledge that when it's happening, right? There's mm. just lots of fun stuff that happens. So I don't know if there's one that I'm like, that was, that was the, the moment, you know what I'm saying? Um, also, like, it would depend on, you know, how it, why it's resonating. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't think I could come up with one. No um, uh, because, again, like, I never looked at this like it was a career. Right, but, right, right, right. Like, so, like, his career highlights or whatever. Right. Um, <laughs> how yeah. about this? How about this? Anything still remain on your bucket list for DJ? Mm, good one. I don't think, I mean, because what could it possibly be? It's not going to be playing in, you know, like, whatever the new hot club is, because you know what that is, right? Right, right. Um, and I've done a bunch of fun concerts in my life, and I've played the festivals. Um, so there's not, if, if someone's starting out as a DJ tomorrow, like, they might put these things on their on their list, right? Like, this right. is what I want to get to. And um, it might be obtuse to say so, but I'm just like, yeah, we went and did these things that maybe other people might aspire to. And I just never considered them something to aspire to for myself. Sure. Things that, you know, I was blessed to be able to do. Uh, we were talking about the Tony Hawk thing uh, that I did a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that's one where I'm like, yeah, this is like, I get to watch a half pipe demonstration with pro skaters that I looked up to. And then I'm going to play some records for a bunch of them after. I mean, that's fun stuff. And I've had a slew of those over the years. Um, you know, playing people's various birthday parties or having people I admire come up and compliment me. Um, you know, there's been a ton of that stuff, but I, I wouldn't want to say it's this particular one. Mm -hmm. sure. uh, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Uh, it would be tough. I don't know. Yeah. Now it's just think yeah. of what other than like um, you know, going on tour with uh, some band that I love and like doing the opening set. Um I couldn't even name what band that might be. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. Um, a little bit easier. How about this? Any advice for upcoming DJs, for young DJs, somebody getting into the game now? Yeah, see, this is always tough, too, because so much has changed. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, uh, as we were saying before, uh, I, the job literally is um, creating a conversation with the crowd so it's just it's really paying attention to what you're doing and watching the response and that's why i was saying it's it's a there's a psychology aspect to the gig because sure. anybody can just go i mean just have an ipod if you're just going to play the popular songs but mm -hmm. if you want someone to take the songs and pick and choose where to put it right the gig really is science philosophy and that inside that philosophy bucket is the psychology crowd how a crowd reacts to something mm -hmm. um so really what your job is like you can you know work uh, you go to work i mean again there's so many more distractions than the old days so like as much as i want to say hey you know just get the crowd like get their trust and take them with you and do this thing you look around you're going to see people on their phone sitting at the tables and they're not there to dance and you know pasquale rotella had said something uh really great when he wanted to bring back the funk room he, he's completely aware that his event like EDC or Nocturnal or whatever 
are massive festivals with people staring at someone on stage, right? Mm -hmm. Right. The, the purpose of the funk room and the way he decided to make it circular was to get people to not look at the stage and start looking at each other again. They want <laughs> to like dance, like be in the moment. Um, even last night when I was watching the, the Coachella stream, as soon as Swedish House Mafia came on, the entire crowd just lights up with phones. Yeah. Like, no, mm. in, in the moment, they're mm -hmm. like, they're trying to capture the moment to, to look at later or something. You know what I mean? So the advice I would give to some of our DJing is just pay attention. It's like the mechanical part is, you know, not as important anymore. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, and learn about music be open to other types of music i mean at this point the guys that stand out are the guys that know a ton of music and can pivot if you need them to just like i mean would i be the obvious choice for the tony hawk gig if they're going to play ado adolescent record records or like uh, you know pixies records maybe not if you looked at like what i've done before where i played i'm probably mm -hmm. not the obvious choice so like this guy who used to work at marquee is going to know these records but i know the records right so no, having a wide, a vast knowledge of different music, probably pretty important for this kind of job. Also, real quick, uh, just came to me. One thing that a lot of people don't do, and this is in many industries, if you're interested in something, you should have some interest in how you got to that point. So I'm not saying like, you know, go research DJs or whatever, but at least know how you got from point right. A to point B, right. um, because it would seem to me if you're truly interested in something that would be of interest to you anyway, whether you're a woodworker or a lumberjack or a disc jockey or a chef or whatever, you know, you, you think you have some interest in like learning about how we got from here to now, you know, mm -hmm. right. and there's not right. a whole lot of resources, honestly, for DJs, you know, the books about DJing are not that interesting in my opinion i have right. all dj books um and they tend to you know it doesn't speak to me necessarily no one's written the book about open format or whatever you know mm -hmm. or like early 2000s new york and and hollywood steez um yeah just came and went you know yeah 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 i think there's there's a lot to still be be told of that time and i think people are starting to retroactively analyze that now blog house just got its own book recently like mm -hmm. you know the these moments where you were clocking in you know are now being revered as as neek mentioned our woodstock you know like mm -hmm. you know our our peak for for some of the moments that we shared in these clubs or you know even musically you know finding music on blogs and stuff like that um we didn't even get to touch on it but i as we're wrapping up right now tell us one movie everyone should watch doesn't matter who you are everyone needs to see for what purpose do they need to see it <laughs> your recommendation god i can't choose one movie i mean uh i love uh just off the top of my head uh blade runner you know but i couldn't okay. tell you to go see that other than for me personally that movie uh visually and uh the story and uh, yeah. many components of it defined uh, i would find it in my dna over the years i one of the i think it was the first movie i ever saw on a vhs tape you know mm. um 
but yeah, I mean, that's a, that's an amazing movie, but that's one of many amazing movies. You know, if, uh, it's, it, it's like songs, hard to choose what's, yeah. what the will be, you know what I mean? Right, right. right. Yeah. I, I knew that, I knew that put you in a pretzel and, and yeah, I'm glad you said Blade Runner. How yeah. did you think the new one held up compared to the old one? Um, uh, well, I liked the new one. I think they yeah. could have cut some time off and it would have had broader appeal i think people got turned off by the, the length of it because it's very moody and plotting yeah, which yeah. i enjoy because i have the appetite for that kind yeah. of movie mm-hmm. i think if they cut 20 minutes out it would probably would have been more commercially successful um yeah, i agree but uh i thought it's great yeah. and you know my dad does special effects and mm-hmm. um he did the effects on the new blade runner and um for that particular movie they had gone back to using miniature photography like the original Blade Runner, because they knew that it was going to be put up against it. These two movies were going to be right. Put right. So instead of using the digital landscape that you might see in a Marvel movie or whatever, yeah, or Blade Runner twenty forty nine, they used you know miniature photography uh, for mm. most of the film. Uh, so when you put them side by side, you're like, okay, wow, this is in the same pocket. Right. Mm. Cool. Mm. Yeah. I gotta go rewatch it. Yeah, I'm gonna do the same. I've, I've now, watched that movie way too many times. I know it like the back of my hand. It's so dope. Yeah, the original or the new one? Both. Yeah, they're, both they're, and they're and the theatrical and director's cut of the original. Yeah, because yeah, the, the ending the ending of of both of those. Oh man, I love it. And the director's cut of the original is, I think, is superior. But even the theatrical cut is great too. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, they're they're amazing, amazing movies, especially the first Blade Runner. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, a little more on the nose, we are putting together a five on five podcast playlist. I got um, you ready. Got we you need ready. you to contribute by adding one song that needs to be on our playlist. Yeah. Must be on Spotify. Okay. Well, one song that uh, or one artist I discovered during. The pandemic, which I think is really great, is this dude named Child. Oh yeah, guy. Child. Yeah, I saw him in concert. They he was Come in concert on. with uh, Emotional Oranges. He opened for them. Wow. Yeah, he's and amazing. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. So this song called Pirouette, which was like the first. One, yep. It is such an amazing song, um, and uh, that's the first one that comes to mind. Just because, like, yeah, we were locked down, and then I saw this video. It was like a promo video of that song. And it's like a funky, like wooded uh, stereo or stereo studio that yeah. you record. It's a dope song. So I mean, that would be the one. So I mean, I play, I've, I, I've heard I him do the the strip version of that too, it, yeah, which is it's, amazing. It's great. I yeah. hope he blows up. Um, uh, I throw it in my set on occasion, um, but it's you know it's like ninety BPM, and um, uh, you know it, it's like it's funky, but it's not you know. Right. No one's it's like it's moody it's yeah it's you know yeah i love I that like yeah add it lock it in it's um graham what do you got coming up tell everyone where they can find you where they can see you dj uh, finish out this month with uh we've got uh some bungalow gigs obviously that's my residency and then you can find me at uh mix in sacramento at the end of the month oh, uh which, uh, you know, a lot of fun people play up at Mix and Park, yeah. same same owners. Yeah, I've been um, there. It's fun. Yeah, it's a fun spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'd have to look at my calendar past 
April <laughs> to let you know about the anything else. But yeah, finishing out the month, it's it's uh it's bungalow gigs and then and then uh, Sacramento. Excellent. Uh, who, uh, who you got going in the NBA playoffs? What's that? Who you got for in the NBA playoffs? I don't even know who's in the playoffs uh, after the Lakers got kicked out. I know the Lakers did bad this year, but they did. Um, uh, who's in the playoffs this year? Oh, uh, the other LA team is in. Oh, nope. Clippers? No, they're not. Oh, no, they didn't. They didn't make the play in. That's right. They didn't. I'm glad I'm not the only one who doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> no, so we got we got Atlanta, Atlanta versus Miami. They, we uh, have, Minnesota um, knocked out. Brooklyn Minnesota versus Boston. Well, this will be fun. I mean, it's, I don't have any dog crazy. in the fight. But, yeah, um, I mean, we got Chicago in the fight, but uh, that was a t- that was a, mm, they got they're they're playing Milwaukee right now. I got a y'all got a tough card. With no yeah, ball, we got with a tough no card ball. right now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. Uh, let people know where they can find you on social media, and we will send you on your way, sir. I keep it it pretty uh, basic. It's just my name at Graham Funky G R A H A M F U N K E. Um, you know, you may or may not find interesting stuff at the various platforms, uh, depending. Um, but, a lot of uh, mustaches. A lot of mustaches. Currently none. Yeah. A li- I got a little tiny, little tiny. Bit uh, a little peach fuzz. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously, uh, uh, I've had mustaches for years. <laughs> yeah. um, we go in and out of uh, favor. <laughs> no i love it man yeah. uh it's 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 an absolute honor to have you on the show man. Oh, thanks Thank for you. having me i'm glad you guys can endure my uh my uh me spewing uh, these various uh we invited man and you it's... call it spewing we call it dropping gems yeah yeah that's this is the place to do that man and uh and we're grateful to be able to uh to share your story with Wait, other is he people 99 now. what's that is he 99? 99th episode? Episode 97 or 98, Nick? I think... Uh, 97, I want to say. Ep- episode no, no, 90... 98. This is 98. Episode 98. 98. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, we should remind everyone listening, this episode yes. is going to come out this week. Saturday uh, in Las Vegas, we are doing the 100th episode celebration at 18 Bin in Las Vegas. Uh, all three of us are going to be DJing as well as Tim Tones and surprise special guests throughout the day. Graham, if you want to drive up from LA, we'd love yeah. to have you throw down a set. Yeah, come through. We'll have breakfast ready for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll leave, we'll leave the light on for you. Uh, I've been in Vegas since before the pandemic, and I'm actually pretty curious. I was just telling Stone, like, let's go out there and have a look at this place, um, just to see how it it fares. You know, yeah. I mean, no, uh, love to see you guys. Let me make a suggestion while I got you here. This guy, Nick Lopez, throws the best fucking disco party you've seen in a, in a long time. Yes. Oh, it's called Paradise Fever. Uh, right. Nick, it's at uh, On the Record, and now can we Money announce Baby. a new one? Yeah, Money, Money Baby. Money Baby, mm-hmm. uh, June 5th at the Virgin Hotel. It's fun. Well, is wait, so isn't On the Record at MGM, though? Yes. Yes. Uh, on the Record is at Park MGM. Right. Um, we are there four times a year okay. uh, with Paradise Fever. And then we have Paradise Fever also going to be at Money Baby, which Got is it. at the Virgin Hotel. Um, that's going to old be... Old Hard Rock. Yeah, yeah, the old Hard Rock. Um, yeah. June 5th is our first date. Yeah, Stone and I just did the disco. There's a, the, the guys that own On the Record own a yep. disco and I called Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. 
and stone and i just did their d- disco night uh last month the one in texas or the one in la what's that is it in la or yeah, i know at, they have a spot in texas at the line hotel in la okay um, cool the, the houston brothers same dudes as yeah Omni. yeah yeah and um yeah i was i was my mind was blown we walked in there's light up dance floor and i mean it's it's like a legit disco yeah, yeah it's crazy it's crazy yeah. I mean, the one in vegas is cool too yeah, uh, we've been on the record yeah it's it's dope uh pre-pandemic obviously mm-hmm. um yeah man good I, i'm glad to uh that might be the weekend to do it tell you the truth absolutely hell yeah hell yeah well thank you sir we greatly appreciate you man uh thanks for letting us talk your ear off for no come i talked two and a half hours (laughs) salute the captain uh yeah we got to get you back out to portland i know travis and i would love to see you uh eric would love to see you up there uh always have a great time when i'm up there yeah and uh what's that plus coffee yeah, coffee. Oh, yes, yes. And avoiding street fights. Yes, all yeah. of the above. Am I welcome them? I let them swirl around. Yeah, he welcomed them. You avoided them, Colin. He just wanted his food. <laughs> I said, I'm taking my ass to bed. But as the soon burrito. As, as soon as shit hits the fan, I'm like, I'm taking my ass to bed, bro. <laughs> I'm old. I'm too old. I get yeah. hit. Yeah, I get bumped in. I'll be like, fuck this shit. Yeah, dude. <laughs> All right, y'all. All right, we'll guys, see you guys peace. next week. Thank you so much, Graham. Thank you guys. Yes. Everyone stay safe. Take care. Peace. peace.